Hey guys, you're listening to Leaving a Legacy. You don't have to scoop to anyone. Right. Even it, your mom, you know, when she's <laughs> gonna pop eight, then you're gonna pop her out, man. So we're going. <laughs> we moved into the balls D portion of it. <laughs> There's some things you just can't buy in Vermont. Like, like Mex- Mexican ago. food, you can't buy Mexican food. <laughs> Oh, welcome back, everyone. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Leaving a Legacy. Here is your co-host, Jerry Me, joined, as always, by Adrian. Say hello, Adrian. How's everybody doing? Perfect. And then, because it was so much fun last week, he decided to join us in for another week. Uh, we have Pat on the line as well. How you doing, Pat? Doing well. What's up, guys? Uh, not much, not much, and I think we may have someone else a little bit later on if all everything shakes out, but, you know, who knows, surprises, surprises. Oh, uh, teasing, teasing. Teases, so many teases. Uh, speaking of teases, have you guys seen the news that's blowing up on Twitter right now? You mean the we- new thing from Hicks's prison warden? Mm, no, but oh, go okay. on. <laughs> are, we, are we talking about Goifgate? Oh, I'm talking about Goifgate. <laughs> yeah, Goifgate, oh yeah. Goifgate. Okay, tell me about Goifgate. I just love it because it has brought the the world of Twitter introducing hashtags into our vocabulary has just made for like speaking in news headlines every day. Like <laughs> never before would I would think I would be referring to something as Goifgate. Um but apparently what happened is in the top eight of GP Las Vegas there was a foil goif uh opened. Okay. And, you know, Foil Goyf is an expensive card, uh-huh. uh, right around $500. And, yep. uh, Pascal, he's the, uh, pro player, uh, he was the one who opened it and he actually ended up taking it, even though it's not really that great and limited. It's actually, Goyf is actually probably a really terrible card in, uh, draft in my experience. Okay. Um, and a bunch of the other pro players, I think Reed Duke was one of the spearheads, which I was kind of surprised at. Uh, kind of went on Twitter saying that they kind of lost a little bit of respect for him because he was money drafting in the top eight rather than building the best possible deck for the tournament. So that turned into a whole polarizing argument on Twitter and other social media where people were arguing, do you take the foil goif or do you take the card that's better for your deck? I, I saw his uh, his reaction on, on Facebook. He kind of had, like, once everything sort of shook, shook out yesterday, and he kind of posted, I think it was this morning, he mm-hmm. was talking about it a little bit and um, sort of explained his, his thought process. And, you know, he, he didn't realize, I guess I guess he was playing, you know, for him on the line was, I guess, a, a Spied Worlds, which he didn't realize, um, yep. uh, Platinum status for next, right. for next season or next year, which is a big deal for a pro. Um I think he had, he came in third in the to- in the tournament, right? In that in that GP. Yeah, exactly. I th- people were saying how awesome it would have been if he had rare drafted and then won, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> but you can't have everything in life, I guess. But yeah, I, I saw the same post that uh, you're referring to, Pat, where uh, yeah. Pascal kind of explained his thought process, and uh, I like the quote he did in it. And it was the quote from I think it was Kai Bud, or it's oh, Kai, Kai Buddha. Kai Buddha, yes, Kai Buddha. Yeah. It's like, would you pay five? Because the other card in question that he should have took, in many pros' opinions, was the Burst Lightning in the pack. Yep. And Kai Buddha quote was quoted as saying, would you pay $500 to have a Burst Lightning in your deck? <laughs> Absolutely <not. laughs> How valuable is that Burst Lightning to you? 
And yeah, he, he, I saw the same post, uh, Craig Waskow, um, the other person he was competing at, because I guess he was also competing for like, uh, number one pl- overall points, uh, with Craig Waskow for, I think that's what the world spot was for. And he was saying, it's like, oh yeah, I totally understand. You were saying how you had to miss a bunch of GPs later in the year because you couldn't afford, tr- afford travel expenses. Yep. So also the fact that, you know, he may have lowered his chances for winning that particular that particular tournament, but if yep. getting that goif and then selling it and getting the cash value for it lets him travel to two other GPs and try and win those ones, he said that value was uh, was a lot better to him. Yeah, and that you know you have a minute to do your your limited pick. It's not mm. a lot of time to mull that decision over. Um, and uh, Owen, Owen Turtonwald kind of replied in his Facebook too. He's sort of an internet curmudgeon. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I've heard I've heard stories about him. <laughs> yeah, but he, you know, he actually kind of like kind of back, uh, you know, took back what he said. He said, you know, he's like, I don't think he disgraced professional magic, and he regrets his choice of words. You know, basically coming down to look, it was a bad pick, but we all make bad picks, and the fact that it's blown up to be such a big deal, the fact that we're talking about it, is a is a bigger issue than than the the pick. You know what I mean? Oh. Wait a minute. Did, so, it just I gotta follow this for a second. Did Pascal Menard play th- place third? Is that what you guys said? Yeah, he played. Th- he played third in the GP, but he took the foil goif in the top eight. So they go to top eight, cuts top eight draft, and these guys redraft the top eight. And he had a, he had a choice between a foil goif and burst lightning, which was better for his deck, and he took the goif. Sure. How did he end up placing after the top eight? I mean, he was in top eight. He was in top. Wait, all right. He, so he, took, he took this foil goif in top eight. Yeah, right. in the top so, eight draft, yeah. Top eight in Vegas. Yep, and uh, which means he's <laughs> in top eight out of, I think, what was their final number, 7,600 and something? Yeah, it so was, I don't know what the whole number was up there, but it did It did split it into two GPs, so. Right, right. It was big. It was I, big. Guess, I guess what I'm curious about is, you know, if he places eighth at GP Vegas, what what's his prize support to take home? Uh, that was the other thing, too. I, I was actually looking at that on Facebook. Um like, I would take the foil goif. I'm not that, even fucking around. Right. You know, $500 is like, you know, guaranteeing you top eight money versus, you know what I mean, versus... A, well, you're, a, yeah, he's already guaranteed top eight money. I'd just take the foil goif anyway. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, so, yeah, so they're talking about prize payouts for GP Vegas. Between five through eight was $1,000. Three and four was $1,500. Um, you know, everyone's paying $75 per person to be there. A 70, you know, seven... 7,500 person tournament, and that's kind of seems like a little bit of weak prize support for top eight. So yeah, definitely. And I, I just, no. I, w- I would not want to pass a goif and still place place eighth at a thousand dollars when I could have a thousand plus a five hundred dollar goif. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like I don't know. Also, what I heard, um, the reason why the prize payout is weak is because Magic walks a very fine line between gambling. Mm-hmm. And not get, be not gambling. That's why they're all about you know no die roll to determine the outcome of a match because they because that qualifies it as a game of chance. And part of it is in a lot of states, uh, the law is that the prize payout has to be fixed from one tournament to another because otherwise, if the prize payout is determined by the number of people playing, mm-hmm. then that constitutes gambling because it's actually. Uh-huh people paying into a pool that they're playing over rather than paying to enter a tournament with the tournament being a prize payout. Yeah, I see. Okay. That, actually, that actually shouldn't even matter at all. They, they right. Should, well, they just give 8th place 8 boxes of Modern Masters and <laughs> be done. 
I know, right? But that's that's why with the GPs they can't have a sliding payout on the GPs is because they don't want them to be turned into like a gambling circuit. Yeah, I didn't know that. I had no idea. Yeah, so I, know I, yeah, I, I, I think there's certain places in Europe too. Like, wasn't there a Grand Prix in Germany where they actually had to give out cards as prizes because they couldn't give out cash because of the gambling? Yeah, well, so what it was is they um, they didn't realize that they booked the venue. Wizards, it was a Wizards run GP in Germany. They booked the venue, they had the venue, and then when they're setting up, like an official comes and tells them that they can't give out cash prizes. So literally on the day of the GP, they had like judges run to a local electronic like, shop and like buy big screen TVs. And, yeah, they had like Best Buy gift certificates. Yeah, giving those out instead because they couldn't give cash out. Um, there was another one in, uh, I think it was like Brazil, because uh, Paulo Vitor Dominic Rosa was complaining about it a while ago, where uh, literally at the sign, uh, for whatever reason, they wouldn't, they couldn't allow anyone under the age of 18 to sign up, mm-hmm. even with a parent or guardian or anything else. Mm. But so... I think as the dust settles, people are kind of falling more under on Pascal's side. I think yeah, it's... Yeah, definitely something that a lot of the pros are regretting that they kind of shit on him for. I think people just snap to judgment on him. And, you know, this is kind of that we live in the world of hyperbole when we're talking about Twitter and Facebook concerning Magic the Gathering, you know what I mean? So um, I'm not surprised that people are sort of recanting their strong stance against the guy. I feel bad for him, you know. He's kind of like, it's one of those things, It's you know, he's kind of making a financial decision you know, in private, but it's sort of a real public thing. You, know, you might not think about that so much. Yeah, that is true. I just, I, I, my my only thought really is everybody has the right to make their own decision, and I, I don't know. I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to knock him either way. You know, like I, if somebody wants to take the goif or not take the goif, that's up to them. You know. Yeah. I mean, and I'm not, who the fuck am I going to knock anybody that makes top eight in GP Vegas anyway? Yeah. <laughs> the fuck? Um, I, I'm reading through Twitter on it, too, and uh, one comment I thought find really funny is uh, Kenji, Numat the Mummy. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, my only thing with the whole Goyf gate is, why didn't he get a sleeve? <laughs> 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 I feel that that kind of sums it up pretty perfectly. I, I, would actually, I would actually just be curious if it was, like, mildly played coming out of the pack. Like was it damaged at all too? Like, <laughs> well, it's stamped. All the uh, all well, the yes. cards in the GP get the yeah. Well, I, I don't know if it's all the cards, but all the top eight cards. Right, uh, but there's also the condition of the cardboard is what I'm. Oh, uh, you mean just with the packaging? Yeah, uh, I've heard mixed. Res- Apparently, it's not every box uh, has damaged packaging, so I right. guess it determines how. If someone picked up your box and shook it, I'm actually still waiting for my box in the mail. I was going to ask if you got your box yet. No. Uh, the mailman has been disappointing me to no end. I'm waiting for a new <laughs> headset to record, waiting for the Modern Masters box. I also have a binder in the mail so I can, you know, free up the, the trade binder a little bit. Still not, nothing in the mail. Oh, man, I wish I knew you needed a binder. I, I'm very particular on my binders. Yeah, I, I get, I'm sure I have the same ones you do. Oh, the black, the black Ultra the black Pro ones? Black Ultra Pro, yeah. Oh, yeah, those... Do I, there, uh, is there some free space in them now, Adrian? Uh, I, I have been, I have been diligently, uh, working on some organization and actually do this. Um, fuck it, I'll get into it. Yeah. Alright, we all done with Goifgate? Yeah, I think Goifgate is put to bed. <laughs> I've yeah. been, I've been playing with this site and I heard about it a while ago. 
this thing is this thing is crazy. Have you um have either one of you guys ever played with MTG Price? No. MTGPrice.com? Yeah, I like that place. Dude, I put my whole collection into it. That it must have taken a while. That's my only thing that holds me back from those types of websites is physically typing in every single card I own into a database. Yeah, well I already did it on Excel. So then I'm like, well you know mm-hmm. what? This site is actually uh so I put my whole collection into MTG Price and it shows me total value of my collection, um what the instant cash value if I traded it in. Mm. Instant cash value of my collection and who to sell it to, who to sell what cards to. Really? So yeah, nice. It goes it goes as far as like I can organize my collection by cards that have gone up or down in price this week. Um it's it's incredible. And like now I get emails from them on here's here's something I was just looking at before we started recording anyway. Okay. Uh and, and now in pad just for reference I always go off of Star City Games. I just okay. do. Like, you know, people go TCG player, I don't care, whatever. If I trade with somebody, I'll usually trade Star City Games, my cards, your cards, both SCG, yep. doesn't matter. Yeah, as long as it's a, it's a flat level. Yeah. TCG, TCG has a lot more variance in the prices because they're all competing with each other. And I could spike a card easy by selling one for a $1,000 on fucking... Anyway, so yeah, I just I don't play with TCG. But can you guys... Just take a quick guess, no cheating. Um, do, you, do, you, do you know what's going on with Omniscience? Do you know what it's at right now? I have no uh, idea. $20 last time I checked. Out of stock on SCG is 30 Wow. Well, I guess was... pe- people were buying them at Vegas at 40 Really? Wow. Yeah. That's pretty surprising. So that's that's the first one that actually surprised me was the price of Omniscience. Um, SCG doesn't have a Cunning Wish in stock. Yeah, I did see there was a run on comp Cunning Wish. And... So, what's your guess on Snapcaster Mage? Uh, Snapcaster was like fifty dollars less. That, that was like a couple weeks ago. So, out of stock on SCG, it's sixty-five. Wow. I mean, SCG prices though aren't the most reliable because if they're out of stock on a card, you have no idea how long that's been out of stock for mm-hmm. and how much more it's spiked since then. Because once they run yep. out of a card, they stop updating. Because yep. I saw them there a while ago. They had, you know, the foil game day promo Emrakul's out of stock at, uh, like $40. And this was at a time when the regular card was $50. So there's no way that that foil price was correct. So what you're saying is you can assume that Snapcaster Mage is above $65. Right. So what, yeah, what I'm saying with that is that in all likelihood, if it's sold out, it's probably more than that. And as soon as they restock it, it's Probably going to be more, and yeah. So I'm looking online, since yeah. There's, since there's one in stock, what do you think a foil Snapcaster Mage is at? Ah, uh, like probably two hundred and fifty dollars. Okay, hundred and fifty. Okay. You gotta jump the gun, now. <laughs> well, I was kind of, I was kind of going off of uh, Liliana prices because. Okay. All right. Uh, it, it's weird, kind of the multiplier with foils, depending on the type of card. And yeah, yeah. I'm lo- looking now, pro- like the cheapest copies of Omniscience I can find on the internet right now are around $34, 35 mm-hmm. So yeah, Omniscience yeah, spiked again. Really regretting selling my playset for $5. <laughs> well, you know, and it, it's, I, and I was thinking about it when I heard it, and I looked it up and I saw the price, and all I could think of was like, I mean, there are a lot of standard guys that are like, oh, Legacy's so expensive, but like, they all sold those omniscients for like, a quarter as bulk rares to like, SCG when they cycled <laughs> out. You know, like, just yep. stop doing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true, it's true. 
Um, I'm, I just don't understand why there's this continued run on Omniscience, because it was popular at SCG uh, Worcester, but it wasn't re- in the top eight, really. I mean, did it? Did any copies place in the top 16? I'm trying to remember back. Oh, um, yeah, I was just looking it up, actually. Yeah, if anyone has the SCG pair. Uh, yeah. No, there's, there's, there's none. There's none up until top 16. Yeah, 16th place, Chris Van Bina. Okay, yeah, so sick, just barely cracked in the 16th place at 16th. And then, so, Rudy, and then Rudy Briscoe was in top 32 with it. Yeah, but I mean, it's not like, uh, GP Japan where they have like four in the top eight or mm-hmm. three. Um, so I'm just surprised that there's continued interest in the deck when it hasn't been putting up consistent results since then. Um, it's not like there's any other major high coverage legacy events where that's seeing a lot of play. So I wonder if part of it is also speculation. They saw part of the, uh, jump and are kind of nudging it back up as they, uh, are a little slow to get on the train. Yeah, maybe part could be commander. Maybe part is just, it does, uh, I mean, I know, I know as you've been playing Sneak and Show, you like to show and tell Emrakul, show and tell Grizzlebrand. Omniscience is pretty fucking good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, Omniscience is good. It is good. I'm just surprised that it's still going up in value. I thought we would have plateaued at around 20 because it's already doubled in price, and now we're looking at quadruple in price from where it was uh, like a month ago. Hmm. It's kind of uh, interesting to see where the <laughs> where the ceiling is on that card. So, so I know you just recently picked up Sneak and Show. Have you actually ever tried any of the Omni Show builds? Um, I played one of the very, very first Omni Show decks, like when it was first printed. Uh-huh. Uh, it was the Dream Halls ver- variant. A mono blue? Yeah, it was it was mono okay. blue with Dream Halls, and it also ran Progenitus because I don't even know if Grizzlebrand was printed at that time. I no, think it was. Grizzlebrand was printed at, before uh, before Omniscience. Okay, yeah, Grizzlebrand was printed, but it was the uh, Omniscience Dream Halls Progenitus deck. Mm-hmm. Um, Ari Lax was the pioneer of it, but it used Progenitus and, um... Yeah, it was more like the Cruel Ultimatum deck. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, Pat, do me a favor, if at any point, <laughs> feel free to stop any of us and go, wait, what's that question do? What's that yeah. guy do? So, <laughs> you know what, do you know what Dream Halls is? Uh, that was a Tempest card, right? Yeah, uh, Stronghold? Yeah, Stronghold, yeah. It was like three uh, colors, two blue. Three colors, two blue, you can discard a card and cast a card that shares a color with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's one way people turn we... any card into four so well. So it, yeah, and, um, well, as long as you had a counterspell in hand, I guess, yeah. But the, uh, uh, by counterspell, by four so well, I mean the, the four so well effect of discarding a card to cast it. Yeah, so mm-hmm. people, people would pitch any color and cast Cruel Ultimatum or cast Cruel, uh, pitch Cruel huh. Ultimatum and cast anything else. Well, but, it wasn't Cruel Ultimatum, it was Conflux. Because Conflux was this sweet card. Uh, that was one of each color, and then it was searcher, it, I think it was like three colorless, and then one of each color, so like eight total, and it was searcher library for a red, blue, green, white, and black card, and put them into play. Oh, one of each? Yeah, one of each. Oh, wow. So oh, it's wow. a, it's a five card tutor, so insane card advantage. Yep. <laughs> um, so you would you and you would have progenitus, and so you would grab like, uh, you would grab four progenitus and then another conflux and then you would discard the progenitus to cast the other conflux to find the rest of the combo which was prismatic visions which is your lands are every color land type 
Oh. And then you would use <laughs> one progenitus to cast the other progenitus, so now you have a progenitus in play. And then you would use the last progenitus to cast Coalition Victory, which says if you control a creature <laughs> of every color, a land of every uh, land type, you win the game. So you have progenitus, and then all your lands are every color, thanks to prismatic visions. Wow. So, so with all that said, Pat, I'm just as lost as you. Yeah, so it was we're, a very we're, convoluted, convoluted <laughs> stupid omniscient stats that was quickly replaced. Progenitus looks amazing, though. I would imagine protection from everything is really good. Yeah, you, you, you can't be correct. Not, not that great in Legacy, it turns out. Really? <laughs> he's not that bad, dude. He's good, he's good, you, but you there's a reason ex- why he's not in Sneak and Show decks anymore. You know, Grizzlebrand yeah, Grizzle is better. Yeah, but there's still, so, so anyway, so Dream Halls was starting to get used for Mono Blue Omni Show as the extra versions of Show and Tell. Just mm-hmm. to be able to get omniscience in field. Mm-hmm. Progenitus, uh, the only deck I, I'll see him in now is some elf decks might run him out of the sideboard. Yeah, well that's the, that's the thing is, in the original show and tell sneak attack decks, it was you, it was originally Emrakul Progenitus as your two fatties of choice to win. But as soon as Grizzlebrand was printed, he, Progenitus just got pushed out of every deck he was played in, just because Except there are elves. so many times where I've had a progenitus on the field and still lost the game. You know, it, it's pretty slow with my legacy standards. Even if yeah, you're I mean, able, he doesn't have trample or anything, so... Right, I mean, he has protection from everything, but it's he only deals 10. That's, sure. that's the problem. It's oh, even, I see what you're saying, yeah. So oh, yeah, even, protection he can't be blocked by. Yeah, he can't be blocked, so he's getting through no matter what, but yep. he's easily raced. Like, I got a uh, Progenitus out against an Elves player on turn three, which is, you know, I would say pretty average. Mm-hmm. I swung in on turn four, put him on eight, and then he killed me. Well. And that happens quite a lot. I mean, it's yeah. you're basically looking to win around turn five when you're swinging in with Progenitus, and against a lot of decks in Legacy, that's, that's too late a lot of times. Legacy is the only format where a 10-10 protection from everything is not sufficient. <laughs> Not well, good enough. Do yeah. better, Candace. Do better. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, it, it's funny uh, the, as cards rise and fall, how other things kind of take their place. And I had kind of written omniscience off. I, I really did think omniscience's time had come and passed, but guess I was wrong, and I'm paying for it. <laughs> but so, I, don't, I don't see myself running that version of the deck ever again. So have you guys seen all the? Um, there's been a few articles that have come out about about Brainstorm and Legacy. You guys, you guys have talked about that at all? <laughs> uh, whether it should be banned in Legacy? Yeah, or? people are talking about maybe banning it in Legacy. Like, do you think that's a valid a valid kind of line there? Uh, people have been talking about that pretty much since Legacy has been a thing. Yeah, and I think it holds as much credence then as it does now. And no matter how much, you know, weight it has behind it, doesn't mean they ever actually will ban it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, for the most part, I don't think Brainstorm should be banned. I think if they did bra- ban Brainstorm, it would change Legacy in a really fundamental way. And mm-hmm. I think Zerch doesn't want to do that. And that's part of the reason why Modern isn't Legacy Light. Modern it's, is its own format. If you ban Brainstorm, you're kind of bringing Legacy closer to that modern ideal. Yeah, yeah. Where I feel they want Legacy to be much more spell-focused, whereas modern is much more creature-focused. Yeah. I, would, I mean, I would think it would take a, a bunch of Tier 1 decks and make them T2 or worse, right? I mean, 
Yeah, yeah, it really does. I mean, I think the combo decks are probably the ones that suffer the most, and mm-hmm. then closely followed by the Delver decks. Yeah, that's what, I, that's what I'm thinking. Like, you know, I'm not worried about it happening because, you know, it doesn't seem like it's something that's that's around the corner. But I was just curious what you get, what your thoughts were on it. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think it needs to be banned. What what do you think, Adrian? I, I think you you voiced your opinions about it before. Alright, so so what do I think? I think uh ban Delver, ban counterbalance, and let's ask uh a special guest here what he thinks. So uh just joining us is Heavy Meta Midget. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How about you? Nice. We're just trying to figure out if they should ban brainstorm. Ban? <laughs> Brainstorm. Yeah, just coming in hot. Have you had any thoughts on that? We're right in front of the cannon. <laughs> I say keep it. I say I say Bandelmer. <laughs> There's just been a lot of people that have been kind of going going around about Band and Brainstorm and what uh, GP Kyoto had 32 copies in the top eight, which isn't a surprise. Blue's just a really good fucking color. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I yeah, don't. no, I don't. I don't think you can ban it. I really don't. Right. I, I think the biggest problem with Brainstorm is not that Brainstorm is a powerful card, it's that other colors don't have access to it. I, <laughs> if Brainstorm was colorless, it would be completely fair and no one would mind, but the fact that it's specifically blue and forces you to play blue, that's what gets people pouting. Oh, if it was colorless, they'd have to ban it, because everyone would play it and it would become <laughs> the next Treasure Cruise. It would, it would be Mental Misstep. Yeah, Mental Misstep all over again. Yeah. But also, um, I know you you have, were posting some opinions about this uh, before you got here. We were talking a little bit about Goifgate. Do you have any uh, follow-on opinions here? Oh, Goifgate! Actually, I came home to my fiance telling me all about it, which was a shocker and a half. <laughs> really? Oh, in and of itself, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, Goifgate. Let's see. He played. He made the pick just like any other Jobin would. <laughs> So are you a strong opinion that he should have taken the burst lightning? No. no. <laughs> okay, so Jobin in a positive sense in this regard. Yes. <laughs> no, so, all right, so i got to ask, where are you from? Me in Canada. Okay, because, uh, yeah, Jobin's not a common term down here. <laughs> it's a, it's a J-Bushism. <laughs> yeah, that is a J-Bushism. <laughs> Jobin's one of those confusing words that can be a positive or a negative, depending on the inflection. True. <laughs> <laughs> well... I feel that is a good segue before we get too distracted. Why don't you tell the listeners a little about yourself? Well, um, I'm third. I'm, let's see, hold on. I think I'm younger than you, Jerry. Okay. I'm 35. Nope. (laughs) You're older than Jerry. Adrian's the old one. Yeah. yeah. I'm the grandfather. Adrian's the old one. (laughs) Okay, well, I'm going to make Adrian feel young. I'm, I'm coming up on 35. Uh, I've been playing since about revised when Sarah Angel was the terror of the skies around the kitchen table. Next to Lord of the Pit. Yep, next to Lord of the Pit. <laughs> okay. Right. And, and and the ultimate combo of breeding pit, Lord of the Pit. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I've got a 12-year-old boy, sorry, 11-year-old boy, and he started playing back at the tail end of New Phyrexia. Oh, that was a great time to start. Well, there's a yeah. lot of parallels there. Oh, that's my, right my, son, I got back my, in. my son's twelve, and I got him in an Innistrad. <laughs> yeah, good thing. Clown hats, clown hats hat. As said, as my fiance calls it, clown hats. 
Well, she, if you've been following Twitter, you've seen uh, this weekend she's been sorting my collection. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't know all of the set names, so she referred to <laughs> Innistrad oh. as Clown Hats. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, Jester Hats. You can hear her in the background. In Jester Hats, oh, excellent. Hats. I like that. <laughs> That is a that is a good way to describe set set numbers. <laughs> I should have taken that approach because when I came back into the game, it took me forever to actually learn what all the old set symbols that I had missed uh, what they all were because it really is such a unique experience coming back not knowing all these things that we have just internalized and having to relearn them all again and then the just these funny little symbols that we commit to memory within a couple days of seeing them for the first time. Yep. <laughs> yep. I had, I had a huge gap uh, between leaving at Mirrodin and coming back at Avacyn Restored. That's not such a huge gap. Yeah. I, I think I left at Fallen Empires and came back at Innistrad. That's, oh, okay. You win. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not it, trying it, to one-up anything. I, you I went from you. Goblin Guide to Snapcaster Mage. Oh, sorry, yeah. Goblin Grenade. Yeah, yes. Goblin Grenade <laughs> Goblin Guide. <laughs> uh, that's about the same jump I took because I went from... Uh, Quit in Kamigawa because that set was garbage, and then came back in New Phyrexia. I feel a lot of people took that same gap, I find. Now, Pat, you said you used to play years ago, too, right? Yeah, I used to play, um, I think my first set was probably Tempest, if not, what was before that, maybe Revised. So what was your gap? Uh, it was from, uh, let's see, Urza Block, so 2002-ish, until last year. So about, yeah, about 12 years or so. Wow. Oh, did you play in Urza Block or did you skip Urza Block? I started. I was playing in Urza Block and then um, I went off to college, and so it wasn't uh, it wasn't a fact of the gameplay because I know Urza Block was. I know now that Urza's Block was really broken, um, but because I wasn't a competitive player, I was strictly tabletop. You know, kid didn't know what what I was doing. Um, it was just another set for me. So I know a lot of people took a break then because the set were the sets were super powerful and things like memory jar I think were banned before. Uh, <laughs> yeah, before it was, before that was even <laughs> tournament legal. So yeah, I, it was strictly because I, w- I went off to college and play, you know was playing football and just didn't have time and uh, I just kind of got back into magic. Uh, like I said, a few friends of mine wanted me to play commander and uh, so I got back into it that way. But um, yeah, it was it was quite a long long time off. I have a big gap in my knowledge of magic for sure. Now, how, how long have you been, um, I can't even feel, I don't even know if I should be calling you Heavy Meta Midget. Like, <laughs> just, call, just call me Mitch. Okay, Mitch. Mitch. So, Mitch, how, how long have you been, are, are you just getting into Legacy? How long have you been playing Legacy? Uh, well, short answer, serious into Legacy since November. Long answer, always kind of been playing Legacy. So back like when I first started into playing casually with friends, and which I think was more vintage than Legacy because we went by a band restricted list, mm-hmm. playing it back back when it was extended. Mm-hmm. I remember playing extended. Oh yeah. So no, I played I played a lot of I guess a lot of Legacy. Nothing su- super competitive until I started getting into it in November. Conveniently enough, because of Puka Trade. Oh, look at that. <laughs> Yeah, we Same got, with Pat. Yeah, yep, we got some yep. some shared stories I feel coming down the pipeline here. Absolutely, I love that. Show. I love that site, man. 
Oh, yeah. I'd, unfortunately, I haven't been able to buy stamps recently. Otherwise, I'd probably have uh, Legacy Dredge done already. <laughs> oh, I was so just thinking about putting that back together. You're saying the post office is preventing you from uh, playing Dredge. I think we should give the post office a medal. So what? Now what? I'm I'm curious. Now that you've since November, what have you been doing with Legacy? Like, what's your? uh, What do you gravitate towards? What's your your passion for it? Well, the. Oh, let's see. This is a fun set. There's so much diversity. Like, Mm. I mean, standard is standard, and I. Played it for a bit, and the entire mono black devotion versus mono blue devotion really just turned me off. Not to mention the consistent price tag. Sure. Uh, got into modern, fifteen card sideboard can take care of most modern, and you've got maybe six actual decks that get played consistently. Uh-huh. And then you jump into legacy, and you have you have your established archetypes. But like you said in the last episode. Because people actually do listen to this, Adrian. Um, <laughs> like I said in the last episode, you have a very wild, wild west theme going on that yeah. you can you can show up to an event. You've got your fifteen cards for your sideboard, but you could run into something completely off the wall no one's ever seen before, yeah. and you can have fun with it. Yeah, yeah, that's one of the things that I've kind of I've forgotten that I I had such a passion for that whole idea of like with Legacy, it's any given Sunday. Yeah. You know, like, if I get that any given Sunday feeling, somebody could show up with, like, some deck that nobody can possibly be prepared for because nobody's actually even aware that this card he's playing exists. Yeah. Like, like there's sometimes I like to play decks where, like, somebody has to read the card that I'm playing. <laughs> like, wait, what the hell is that? Uh, quick side note, the deck I just, I'm brewing right now is a Maze of Vith Dueling Ground deck. What the fuck is Dueling Ground? Yeah, let's hear that one. What is that one? Dueling Ground, oh, it's a... I learned about this in Commander. I'm like, yep, that is good enough for Legacy. (laughs) It is one colorless, one green, one white for an enchantment. Only one creature can attack each turn, (laughs) and only one creature can block each turn. So Dueling Dueling Ground plus Maze of Myth equals no attack step. Well, no, there's an attack step. There's an attack step. to annihilate shit. Yeah, so it doesn't do much against an Emrakul, but pretty much against any (laughs) any fair deck just gets shut down by that. Wow, that's um, yeah, pretty rancid. Yep, Uh, I think I'm gonna. It's gonna be part of the uh, the Bant deck. I'm gonna uh, one now that Modern Masters choose that I can get some Noble Hierarchs and put Bant back together, and that combo is just too delicious to leave out. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, side note: Legacy is diverse and awesome. So what have you been... Now, okay, then, Mitch, what have you been playing in Legacy? Well, through Puka Trade, I built a Leadless Belcher. Oh, okay. So I was turned on to that by um, Ben Perry, Doctor Superstition. Okay. So I that was... on Twitter, yeah. Yeah, that was pretty easy to put together. And I'm fishbowled that a lot, because the Legacy scene around here is not actually that big. Okay. At least not in my city. A hundred, a hundred kilometers, or sorry, eighty kilometers or so north of me. It's a huge legacy scene, but I don't have a car, so that sucks. But I did go to GP Toronto, and instead of taking Belcher, because I figured it would be a force of will filled field, I took the Belchers and I threw together a dwarf tribal deck. 
<laughs> just for shits and giggles. Yeah, yeah. Because who could be prepared for Dwarf Tribal? <laughs> you know that whole everybody having to read your card? Everyone was having to read my deck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, did you have, uh, what, what, what's the dwarf? There's the dwarf that, like, destroys non-basic lands from Odyssey. Did you have him? No, actually. I thought of putting a one of it in, of him in there, but then I decided four Blood Moon in the sideboard was enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess that's enough hate for non-basics. <laughs> yeah. Was it Mono Red? Yes, it was. Ah, nice. <laughs> it was Mono Red Dwarves. There were 30 dwarves and... Unlike Goblin Recruiter, which is banned, Dwarven Recruiter is not. <laughs> There's a Dwarven Recruiter? I did not even know that. There is a Dwarven Recruiter. Two and a red, two, two. Look for as many dwarves as you want. Put them on top of your library in any order. Cut the shit. Were you, we were, using, like, were you using Cavernous Souls, too? No. No, I did not. I, I was running, at the tournament, I was running four fetches and 16... Mountains. I've since modified that to drop it to 16 mountains and four simian spear guides. Okay. But no, just pure mono red. Yeah, I we've discovered a hole, a hole in the meta that is ripe for exploitation. Dwarven <laughs> recruiter is un, is not banned. <laughs> nope. And it actually it won that card won me at least two matches. One being <laughs> being able to stack my deck because. Well, that's what it does. Yeah. Um, but stacking my deck with uh, Dwarven Berserker. So it's one and a colorless, a 1-1. One, one. When it's blocked, it gets plus 4, plus 0. Oh, sorry, plus 3, plus 0 oh, and trample. Okay. So I stacked a ton of these on top of my deck against my opponent. It was miracles at the time. We were in game three. <laughs> and Can you deal with <laughs> Can, can you deal with a, a con- and all he had down was a Vidillion click. Yep. So I stacked what, uh, like three Berserkers on top of my library, and all he had was click, so I attacked with one. He blocked. Okay, put down a second Berserker, he put down a second click, and I just kept <laughs> this up, and I actually took him down with it. That's so cute. It's so fun. cute because you stack your deck, and you get all your creatures, and every Terminus doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> you just get but, more. It makes it even worse when you combine it with Goblin Charbelcher. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, because that's a, that's a sweet little combo there. <laughs> I wonder so what, what, is, the what does Charbelcher do? Alright, Charbelcher is a four colorless artifact, uh, three colorless and tap to activate, de- uh, choose target player or creature, and reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal a land card. Deal that much damage, or if it's a mountain, deal twice that much damage. Oh man! <laughs> yeah, so, so so you stack thirty some thirty odd dwarves on top of your library and go. <laughs> that is sweet. That yeah, is sweet. So, so that's one of the other parts of the Belcher deck is a like a turn one combo deck. Yeah, I've heard about goblin char like a goblin char Belcher deck. Yeah, not, not a dwarven char char Belcher. Oh no, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a dwarven char Belcher is a whole new ball game. I like it. <laughs> it it's a lot of fun. I can give you guys uh, a deck list. Yeah, we yeah we'd love to post that up in the show notes. Let you know, people sweet. take a look at that. I don't know that I could fit it in the show notes, but you could definitely uh, send it over anyway. I'm curious to see it. You could email it. Like the the, the show notes are kind of. You ever take a look at the show notes, Jerry? No, nah, I don't look at that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm living it live, man. I'm I, I always love when you do that shit, though. You're like, oh yeah, we could just do this, and I'm like, what's this? We you got a mouse in your pocket? <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm the hype man, Adrian. I'm the hype man. <laughs> everyone pumped. Oh. Um. Oh. But, um, but mid, so do you primarily, it sounds like you primarily do most of your legacy online in Modo? Yep. Yes, I do. Which I think is kind of one of the main reasons why we wanted to bring you on. I hear you have a sweet little project in the works now. I do. And it starts, um, this week, so the first one will already be done by the time the listeners are actually getting a crack at this. Yes, pod, podcast time travel here. Podcast time <laughs> travel. So we're going to go 88 miles per hour, go back in time. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, no, it's um hosted by Face-to-Face Games. It, I titled it MTG Fight Club. Oh, sweet. So um, it's a single elimination match. I'm oh, sorry, single elimination tournament, Legacy, 8.30, Tuesday nights. Um, first place is going to be $10 store credit to face-to-face, and second place is $5 store credit. And, what's and it's absolutely free to enter. Okay, wow. Yeah, good people over at face-to-face. Oh, yeah. I, I, oh, that sounds like fucking cool. I kind of want to move to Canada just so I can, you know, visit face-to-face. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, this tournament sounds awesome. Um, I, I like the title Thunderdome a bit better because I'm in a Mad Max uh, frenzy right now. But but <laughs> I I, I, I wanted to do Thunderdome, <laughs> but a lot of have you ever played or I don't know how much you guys play online, but Blippy the Slug runs mm-hmm. a modern version of the single elimination every Monday Monday night at eight thirty. Uh-huh. So. Half an hour ago it started. <laughs> is that one Thunderdome? It's Maximum Overdrive. Ah, okay. But it ha- he has a lot. Like, he grew up on 80s movies, like most yeah. of us did. So he's got references in there, too. Except young kids like Jerry. Uh, I, I was a retro kid, so I still grew up in 80s movies. <laughs> okay, so, you know, have you seen the movie Maximum Overdrive? Uh, I maybe in in a fever dream maybe. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's a messed up movie, but it's okay. a pure '80s movie. <laughs> Good. A comet comes too close to the planet, and machines start coming to life. That yes. does sound vaguely familiar. I, <laughs> do, I do believe I have seen that movie. <laughs> is there a montage in it? Because if there is, I'm sold. There is, in fact, a montage. Okay, I'm going to find that movie and watch it. <laughs> right now, during the cast. <laughs> See you guys later. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so hit Blippi's, Blippi's tournament is called Maximum Overdrive. Yeah, and he so his is modern, and that's how I got into well, trying to figure out or wanting to do the legacy version, mm. because like, I'm entering into a free tournament, with a chance at real prizes and just getting to hang out with people. Yeah, I also like that it's single elimination because one of my biggest problems with a lot of the Magic Online tournaments is you it takes a lot out of your time that you could be doing something, you know, productive and useful. <laughs> and then only to get like knocked out in the last round, it really makes you feel like you wasted your, the last, like, three hours of your life. Whereas this, at single elimination, you don't have to, like, sit around, like, doing math, figuring out tiebreakers, whether it's worth it for you to continue playing or not. Yeah, no, so. you, you win, you win. You lose, you come back next week. Yeah, exactly. So I like that. 
Okay, Jerry aside, uh, Pat and Mitch, can you guys, do you guys actually follow tiebreaker math and shit? No. Me no. <laughs> okay, good. All right, so it's not just me. It's uh, funny. It's I'm funny. the only spike in the room, I guess. No, no. It's, the, only uh, reason, the only reason I'll pay attention to tiebreakers is if I go to a tournament to play all the rounds, lose all of them, and screw people up. <laughs> okay, yeah. I was going to say, spoken like a true charbelch player. <laughs> I was I was a history major, Jerry, so I don't do math. I don't do math good at all. Here's the... I think it, I don't know, funny, screwed up, whatever, but, so I, I studied engineering, and the guys that I play magic with, some of them are really freaking good, and they understand the tiebreaker math so well, and I'll, I just, sometimes I just gotta take their word for it, cause they're cool guys <laughs> anyway, but like, I looked at, I looked at them one day, I'm like, I studied calculus and all such a shit, this tiebreaker math, for some reason, just bends my brain. <laughs> like, if this guy wins over here and that guy loses <laughs> over there, somehow I'm in some place that makes no sense to me. You're, you're sending up smoke signals, the person sitting three tables down oh, the line, it's like, if I scoop, will you scoop? Oh my, and I, I, I get all lost. I'm like, I just want to play. <laughs> like, I really, they're like, well, should we just, uh, should we scoop to each other? I'm like, I don't really get it, dude. I just want to play. Wasn't there yeah. something about that with GB Vegas, too? There was a bunch of pros who didn't really understand how tiebreaker math works, like if it takes into account your your opponent's records on day one when you're in day two and things like that. Yeah, because oh it's God. it's whether like the, the numbers carry over from day to day. And then right. what I was also hearing is that <laughs> they had a big problem because it was something like uh, in some of the preliminary pods that they were like um, taking samples of, it was like one in three people were dropping after they opened their pool. Oh, jeez. So they were trying to figure out how that was going to work out, you know, with 33% of the field not even playing one game before dropping. <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> like, I mean, I would do the same thing. If I open my six packs and it's like Goyf, Bob, and Click, and then the judge comes and tells me I have to hand that pile to the kid sitting next to me, no, I'm standing up and I'm leaving. Kind of kind of going back to where I fall in the whole Goyfgate thing <laughs> is with... <laughs> Just when I open up, if I open money, you know, I'm taking my money. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Not, I mean, that's fair. But I guess a lot of pros were complaining that it, like, dilutes the pool because it you're so much less likely to actually get a good playing pool because uh, you the people who get the really good cards that are really good and limited also happen to be really expensive, so they're more likely to drop. So the oh. cards that do stay in the pool that do get passed to you are probably subpar cards that aren't that good. So, I mean, how many, how many, how many money cards in Modern Masters are good and limited? Like we were talking about, Goyf is not a great card in limited, right? So it's true, but some of the best cards in uh, in Modern Masters Two Limited are money cards, like Karn. Like, like, I know Click, right? Click is great in limited. Yeah, Click Karn. Like if you open a Karn, you're pretty favored to win because yeah. it's a slow format. You, it's colorless, so you can literally go in any deck type that you choose to build. Right. Um, so I think, if you if you open a Karn in your Modern Masters pool, are you dropping or are you passing it? Uh, that's the thing, though. I mean, like, Karn is about, like, $30, $40. That goes a long way towards your entry fee. Then you got the playmat and all the other bonus goodies they give you. It's like, how much value is enough to get you to drop and keep those cards? 
Well, how much was it enough to get me to fly to Vegas to play? Yeah, but you're not pl- flying to Vegas to play. You're flying to Vegas because it's the biggest magic tournament in the world that happens to be in Vegas, and all your friends are there, and you get to hang out and have a good time. Okay, so I want to go to the biggest magic tournament in the world and not play? I mean, it, it, <laughs> compared to the other things you get to do there, though, I don't know if you've ever been to Vegas, but there's a lot of things to do there. <laughs> Yeah, they so all, you, you play uh, magic during the day and then you go out at night. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I know a lot of like the the SVU, the heavy metal SVU crew. Um, a lot of them registered to get the cards and then dropped because then a lot of people also saw it as a way of just getting some modern masters card, cards at close to MSRP. Getting six packs and walking away and playing side events and stuff. And yeah, because you get six packs and a play mat, you know, that's that pretty much gets you your value back for the tournament entry. You yeah. know, somebody was posting up, and this is just uh, somebody somebody posted up and was asking questions. So like, there's a store in this area with a Facebook group and stuff. One of the guys is like, "Hey, I'm in Vegas. Does anybody want to click play mat? They sell them for thirty bucks." Yeah. Thirty dollars for a click play mat. <laughs> there was like ten people going, "Yeah, I'll take one if you." Yeah. That's pretty cheap. <laughs> That's pretty cheap. Um, but yeah, but kind of also the other point I wanted to make about people dropping with the pools is that they were saying it was giving an unfair advantage to people with a sleep-in special because the sleep-in special, they open and register your pool for you. Oh, so okay. you're guaranteed to get the cards that you get in your packs. So you your chances of getting one of those bomb rares that are also money cards are higher because you don't have to worry about the person opening your packs dropping with them. Yep, yep. Because the judge is like, well, these are my cards anyway, so I'm not going to walk away with them. It's still at 7,000 hmm. people. The odds don't get permeated. They're not changed all that much. Uh, I think it, with 7,000 people, the odds of it having an effect definitely go up. Sure. If, look, if 3,500 people flew to Vegas to get six packs of Modern Masters and drop... <laughs> the, the, I don't know. There's stores in their area. <laughs> and, no, and, and, like if like, for the amount of time, oh, and that's people didn't reason. fly to Vegas to enter and then drop because they wanted to enter and drop. They flew to Vegas because everyone that they knew in the community was going to be there, right. and they figured, well, it's value. I'm already here. I might as well register, get the value, and then leave and do the things I was planning on doing anyways. Yeah. Yeah. If someone told you they would, you know, they would give you seventy dollars if you take half an hour out of your day to go do register some things, would you do that? <laughs> see, Jerry, see, I, I went to GP New Jersey because it was a Legacy Grand Prix, and I went to play Legacy. Well, yeah, because that's the difference between a constructed tournament and a limited tournament. Well, that's probably also the difference between New Jersey and Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> You drop out of GP New Jersey, you get to hang out at Subway. <laughs> uh, and apologies to anybody who actually listens in New Jersey. <laughs> we, we, got, we definitely don't have any listeners in New Jersey, right? There's got I don't think there's actually any listeners. Who knows? <laughs> New Jersey has a pretty, pretty heavy... Um, <laughs> if we did this, not anymore. Yeah, not anymore. <laughs> Uh, so, anyway, so, Midge, before we, before we forget, how do, how do we sign up for this event? Uh, so, uh, if you go over to gatherling.com. Okay. And just register an account there, and mm-hmm. obviously you need a Magic Online account. So, yep. and then when you register your deck, show up 
on Tuesdays at preferably 8 o'clock or so, so you get half an hour buffer time for everyone to show up in the Getting Serious room. Okay. Or Just for Fun. Oh, sorry. No, not Just for Fun. Is it Getting Serious? Which one is it, which one is it now? Is it German there's, there's practice? Tw- tw- what is that? Just for Fun, Getting Serious, Tournament Practice. I think there's one more, too, right? Yeah, Tournament Practice, Getting Serious, Just for Fun... Oh, it's the one between. It's the one bef- to the left of tournament practice. Okay, I think so that's I mean, getting serious. Not I think, as, I think it is too. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's getting serious. Yeah, and uh, in the channel hashtag MTG Fight Club. Oh, as in like there's going to be like a chat group for it too. Yeah. Well, that's nice. where you're going to find your pairings outside of going onto the website. Oh. Uh, okay, so the website updates in real time with the pairings. Yep. Okay, you put yeah. in your results. When all the results are in, next round goes up. And then, so you just kind of message the person that you're playing at that time, and then you just challenge them to a game? Yep, make make a game in the Getting Serious room, and mm-hmm. as long as it's a regular game and people can watch it. Okay. Oh, nice. Oh, Sounds that's, sweet. That's, yeah. That is, that's yeah. Uh, that's so. pretty freaking dope. I have... um. I'm gonna I'm gonna do that too. So I've actually never heard of gathering. I actually don't have an MTGO account. Um, but what? So I'm just checking out gathering now for like the first time ever. And the uh, that little fucking banner logo. I'm gonna take also. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna embed the banner logo in the show notes that's got Jace holding the Fight Club bar of soap. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to take that and put that in the show notes, too, because that's pretty fucking dope. Oh, that way you can, can click right on that and get right to the page where to register? No, I, I can't okay. hyperlink it. <laughs> okay, never mind. <laughs> no, I'm just going to take the image. It'll actually All show All right, it. so this is what you guys have to look for when you're looking on the regular internet. <laughs> this is what you'll see when you know you've reached the right place. <laughs> oh, actually, no, you know what, though? I can take this link. And actually put the link in the show notes. That's good. Yeah, that would be helpful. Yeah. Is that the Tumblr link? Oh yeah, Tumblr, I guess. Face to face games. Yep, that's the Tumblr. That's the Tumblr link. Yeah, and then I'll put the um, I'll put the link in the show notes to that Tumblr page anyway. And besides, we know nobody listens to the podcast anyways, right? Yeah, no. Right. So, no fear. No, I just want to be able to put it up there so when I go back and look at the show notes myself, I can reference it. Ah, there you <laughs> go. Oh, I'm excited for this. I think I'm going to run the uh, the Grixis Delver, or not Delver, but the Grixis deck that won the SCG Worcester. I think I'm going to, going to run that through the gauntlet tomorrow. You know, the other thing I actually did want to... Dude, somebody hit me up on fucking Twitter, I think, um, now that you mention it. So, yeah, like nobody listens to it, and then some guy hit me up about... Uh, Some of my collection had a little bit of advice, but he was from Sweden. I'm like, I'm like, holy shit! <laughs> was his name Dan? Um, I'd have to look it up. I got hit up by another guy from Belgium. There was another guy from Australia that I'm like, I f- like, I just I forget people listen because I try, <laughs> I just try to put something together to kind of like to have fun, and uh, I just every once in a while I'm amazed when like. I'm like, holy shit, there's somebody that like actually fucking listens to this. <laughs> For some reason, my phone only has four messages on it from Twitter. I have no idea what the hell. I'll have to find it. I'll, I'll find it at some point. I'll let you know. <laughs> uh, I want to say it was like... 
Maybe my computer's got it on record. Anyway, uh, Paramil Soderstrom? Papa yeah, Pandroni. Papa <laughs> Yeah, he, he was. He was. He, he mentioned something about. Uh, uh, just heard the legacy black red, black red, pyromancer reanimate deck you talked about. Have to try it. Uh, thanks again for the awesome podcast. And I'm like, thanks for the encouragement. You can check out this link because he was asking about. Uh, he wanted to see uh, Gorio's Vengeance deck that I was talking about in modern. And I, I just sent him right to Tyler the Froze link. What is that? Because he's got the best. Base for that deck that yeah. I play. Oh, if he wants to, if he wants to do that, I don't know if the card is in his list. But a friend of mine used to run a black red reanimator, and he threw anger. In oh yeah, list. yeah. It, God, we were talking. Were we talking about that last week, Joey, or the week before? Oh yeah, yeah. Because that was in one of the very first reanimator decks I had when I was using Buried Alive. One of the things you grab with Buried Alive was uh, anger to give everything haste. Yeah, and you did it with the Badlands, and then uh, my friend, he would reanimate Nicol Bolas. <laughs> I think we were talking term, about that. Turn one, Nicol yes. Bolas. Yes. Uh, I've never been more frightened of something. <laughs> and then he has to sacrifice it because he can't pay it at upkeep. <laughs> yeah, but he doesn't care at that point. <laughs> True. I, I, I used to think about sneak attacking him in. <laughs> just hit somebody with a Nicol Bolas and discard the hand. That'd be funny and frightening. Yeah. Nobody would expect it. No, like I, I'm, I so I had to sell a few Emmercools, and I'm like, well, if I put Sneak and Show together, what would I actually use in place of Emmercool? Like, yeah, Nicol Bolas is actually pretty freaking cute. <laughs> I always, I always like the idea. Like, I, I know, it's, it's not. I, I don't play Reanimator a hell of a lot, um, and I think one of the last few times I tried it, I put Turn One Sire of Insanity. And my opponent had to like really read it and like, isn't it just ginger taxes better? And I made the stupid mistake of explaining that no, because you're actually going to discard your hand at the end of my turn. <laughs> so that so then they force a willed it. I'm like, damn yeah. it, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. I should totally be playing ginger taxes instead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I just didn't have the four dollars for gin, so I just figured I'd jam this quarter rare in. But anyway. Yeah, you want to get value out of it, though. Uh, play Bladewing the Risen. What the hell's that? <laughs> uh, it's a black-red dragon that you can, when it comes into the battlefield, or when he 187s, you can <laughs> take a dragon. Yes, I did. I do listen to your podcast. That was great outro music, by the way. Um, the outro music? Yeah. Oh, oh, Deep Cover? Yeah. Oh, that movie was awesome. I haven't seen that movie in years. Yeah, no, um, when he comes into the battlefield... You can take a dragon from your graveyard and put it into play, attacked and attacking. Uh, was it Blade Risen? Blade Wing. Blade Wing the Risen. Yeah. Forgive the clacking, I have a loud mechanical keyboard. Oh, yeah, they need the altar. From Scour- Scourge? Is that right? Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, okay. It was, also, was it also yeah. a commander? Fly- 4 4 flying when Blade Wing the Risen comes into the play. You may return target dragon permanent card from your graveyard to play. Oh yeah. Oh shit. I just started <laughs> playing and I, I had a friend played wing. <laughs> I had a friend play that played sneak attack dragons. Yeah. <laughs> first <laughs> first, first turn first turn Badlands, Dark Ritual, Lotus Petal, get in the sneak and then turn two Nickel Bolus and just went mad from there. <laughs> 
Yep, that was the very first Reanimator deck I put together. It was running Bladewing the Risen for value, because it was basically just a free 4-4 flying that you can use to pump your other dragons. I think I used it to grab, like, Croesus the Purger, too. That's another really good one. That's pretty funky. So you could run, you could run Bladewing with Dragonlord Atarka? You could. <laughs> yeah, you could. Sweet. <laughs> yeah, flying Trample, deal five. All right, yeah. we're going to get this guy's price to spike up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bladewing is one of those cards that just gets better the longer Magic stays around. They're yeah, just cert- better dragons, right? Yeah, there's just certain cards that are just like, every year it gets a little bit better because there's a little bit more interaction with it. They're cheap. They're only like two bucks. I'm like, yeah. I'm going to get some of those. That seems kind of awesome. Yeah, they were just printed in the, one of the Commander decks a little while ago. Yep. Um, but it's a, it's a sweet card. Yeah. Um, Definitely, you know, an old favorite of mine. Um, I think there's another Bladewing, too, because I think it's a reference to another dragon that died. Um, Bladewing's Thrall and Bladewing the Risen. Uh, Rorik's Bladewing. Uh, yeah, Rorik's Bladewing, that's what it was. He was one of the uh, Onslaught champions. Oh, you uh, got a Terek's Bladewing, too. Ah. But yeah, there was a... Uh, there's a, people don't remember this, but Onslaught also had kind of like a, a gladiator theme going on, where there were the fighting pits, and each color had its own champion, like Silvos was green, Jareth was white, and uh, Rorix was the red one. It was like mm-hmm. three colorless, and then three of that color was yep. the cycle. Um, but yeah, nice, nice little throwback to memory lane of magic. Oh, I loved Onslaught. Yeah. <laughs> Onslaught's where I started, and it's still one of my favorite sets of all time. I recently got to draft it again, and it is still just as much fun to draft. <laughs> I just keep looking at the artwork. <laughs> I keep trying to see now that, like, it looks like a Tyrannosaurus Rex. That's film. what I thought. I thought it was like a T-Rex. It looks yeah. sweet, though. I just I keep trying to see if I could find a good image of it. <laughs> Just all um, bones. It's, fucking, it's pretty fucking awesome. Yeah, we're just going, taking them back to old school reanimator with Ray of Dawnbringer too, because that was the other one. You would bury it alive, get a Ray of Dawnbringer, and then just start pumping out fatties every turn. Yep. This was back in the day when there wasn't good removal. Yeah, when Grizzlebrand <laughs> wasn't a thing. Yeah, when Grizzlebrand <laughs> wasn't, Emrakul wasn't a thing, Progenitus wasn't a thing. <laughs> that's the thing, I left at Lord of the Pit and I came back at Grizzlebrand. <laughs> Yeah, that's a pretty good upgrade. <laughs> you mean it gives me seven life instead of the other way around? <laughs> and I get cards? Yeah. This is, this is my Lord of the Pit and Wheel of Fortune in the same turn. Yeah. Almost Wheel of Fortune. Almost. The, yeah, the other thing I wanted to mention, because I'm curious, um, Midge, I wanted to thank you anyway for cluing me in on, uh, you know, you suggested an add-in that, that adjusts the sound levels. Oh yeah, um, and I've been using it. The compressor. Yeah, and I wanted. So I wanted. I'm glad I actually get the chance to thank you too. Um, but I'm also curious because you mentioned it that you used a cast. What was the cast that you did? I did. It was under another alias a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> it was actually um, just another magic podcast. Was that that long ago? That wasn't that long ago, was it? I thought I remembered seeing it posted we, up. No, that's you're thinking not another magic podcast. Oh, okay, magic yeah. Troy. <laughs> okay. Yeah, All no. Right. 
Uh, we stopped podcasting, stopped recording probably um, about a year and a half ago now. Okay. How come? Schedules just became... Oh, too conflicting? Yeah, way yeah. too conflicting. The, uh, everyone at Le- Leaving a Legacy has signed a blood oath that the podcast is more important than anything else. Yeah, I know. I've, <laughs> I, I, so I've, I've, been, I've been debating... Pat, you got, uh, you got that letter, right? <laughs> <laughs> I signed the waiver. I signed the waiver today. I've been debating like selling my collection, stepping away from the game. Everybody's like, you know, don't do it, don't do it. They're like, make a decision, but you better keep casting. (laughs) I'm like, like, oh, what's that? The one guy that listens? (laughs) There's more than one guy, Adrian. (laughs) Yeah, there's two now. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Adrian, you remember the uh, cardboard crack that I retweeted for you? Oh, which one? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. The The legacy is eternal. Yeah, there was that. Yeah, yeah, I saw that one. The, the um, there was one I saw recently too about. Was it this? You know, it was that same one. Um, broke up with the girlfriend. Broke up. Was it the guy broke up with the girl because she played too much magic? And her girl, yeah, and her girlfriend's going. That's all right. Boys come and go, but legacy's eternal. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's good. I always liked my. So I get. I love the fucking. I love Gorio's Vengeance so much. One of my buddies. Made it a point to share with me the cardboard crack about the little kid playing fucking modern Gorio's Vengeance. <laughs> Did you ever see that one? Yeah, it was. I, I saw that. The guy's like taking the time to explain all of his yeah. plays. Yeah. And then the little kid goes, Alright, Faithless Looting, Discarding Grizzlebrand, yeah. Gorio's Vengeance. Do you need me to explain what that does? <laughs> It was, it was funny yeah. too because when it, it was my buddy Aaron that did it, and every time I play him with that deck, he, I, I actually, um, yeah, there's no other. That deck will sometimes turn one, but he cast a turn one's Raven's Crime, and it just set me up too, too. And he's like, "This deck just makes shows better. This is bad." <laughs> <laughs> oh that, man. Yeah, there's a few decks I'll play in modern. I don't really, I don't really get into modern. But I. So we were talking earlier about uh. Have you ever checked out MTG Price, Mitch? MTG Price? No. I don't think I have. No, oh, okay. I know you were talking about your, uh, your girl was uh, straightening out your collection. It's a site that I was using that I ended up putting my whole collection into, uh, almost all of it. Um, and it's it's highly insightful. It's a, it's a little, it's a little actually, it can be a little scary to realize how much I play this game <laughs> but uh <laughs> so, money tied uh, up in it money tied up oh yeah and i, I it's oh, real man. estate Un- unrealized gains just look at it as unrealized gains <laughs> well, what I'm actually remember think- when you realize those those become a tax liability <laughs> <laughs> as a financial advisor i would advise you to mitigate your gains at this current tax period <laughs> god damn it jerry <laughs> what, I, what i'm actually thinking about doing i'm thinking about trading a, a bunch of legacy cards i'm 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 curious, like, if I'd actually really feel like fucking doing this, but, uh, if, like, I'm thinking about trading legacy cards for, like, um, the cons, Shocklands, and mostly just polluted deltas and flooded strands, uh, and thought, specifically I thought, foils. I thought you were gonna say Uzbekistan gold, and I was gonna say go. <laughs> <laughs> no, but. Scoop um, up that Uzbeki gold. <laughs> no, but if I, if I was just trading away legacy cards for, like, Deltas and flooded strands. I'd feel okay with that. It depends on which legacy cards. I would definitely hold on to anything on the reserve list because reserve list cards are the blue chip stocks of Magic. 
They're not going to get reprinted. Their value's not going to go down, bar the game itself folding in on itself. Mm-hmm. You know, there's nothing safer you can put your magic investment in other than res- reserve list cards. After that, it goes into you basically figuring out which cards are least likely to get reprinted from there. Okay, yeah. Sure. And, I, and I think foil cons fetches are a pretty safe bet, though I think if we do end up getting the uh, Zendikar fetches too, that's going to take the same effect out of the price of the cons fetches. Not going to happen. Yeah, you don't think so? Rosewater not... has already said that they will never print the fetches at the same time in standard again. Standard, yeah, I can see that. I can definitely see that. So, that, uh, so that's not too far away, though, with the new rotation, right? It's going to rotate faster now. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Uh, so, so I don't think it's going to be printed in a year or so, but if your time horizon is looking at, like, you know, three, five years, then I don't think the fetches are as safe an investment as you may think. Yeah, I think cons rotates out in the fall, so... I mean, I'm sorry, the spring it rotates out. I would I definitely scoop up a bunch of fetches, because that's going to be the cheapest those fetches are going to be for a while. And yeah. They are going to go up before they go back down with the Zendikar fetches. And who knows, you know, they may keep the Zendikar fetches in their back pocket for another five or ten years themselves. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking things like, uh, like I, I, trading, I don't know, Force of Wills and Show and Tells and Gaia's Cradles and shit for like foil polluted deltas and flooded strands from cons and then just holding them for like three years. Mm, I would say you'd be better off trading them into foil onslaught fetches because the foil onslaught fetches are going to hold their value better. Um, kind of in the finance world, original foils always hold price better than new foils. Sure, but they're harder to move afterwards. True. So, I mean, that's the liquidity trade-off. But if you're just looking to put your collection into something to hold in value for a while then why are you really that worried about liquidity at this point? Um, yeah, not at this point, just at the other point. I want to think about, I want to think in advance. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you're trading off ease of use later on for protection now. It's like, I don't know why you, you'd be looking to, you know, have something that's easier to move. The reason why it's easier to move is because it's more volatile. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, you're trading off, it's a little bit harder for you to move them later on down the road, but you're going to be more protected until you reach that point. Hmm. You know, this is completely off topic, but while I had, while I started analyzing, like, my collection, did you take a guess at what Heritage Druid is? Yeah, I saw that. That's <laughs> He's more than Curse Catcher. Yeah, I, I combed through my collection the other day, and I only have one frickin' copy of Heritage Druid. I have all of L's built except for the frickin' Heritage Druids. <laughs> That's his oh, the karma. <laughs> and, and the Gaia's Cradles, right? Yeah, all I need is Gaia's Cradles, and I thought I had Heritage Druids, but apparently I need three more Heritage Druids in the Gaia's Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 15 apiece. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they wow. went from literally, I, I noticed that because I was at SCG Worcester and they were sold out of Heritage Druids. And I was scratching my head as to why. And I looked it up online and they were about like eight bucks at that point. And mm-hmm. they had been like two or three dollars before then. But they just kept climbing and climbing and climbing. I think it was a buyout because it was in the new, the... Who's gonna buy out an uncommon? 
Lots of people. I mean, if it's an uncommon that hasn't been printed in a while, there are uncommons now that are rarer than mythic rares, just because of the sets they were printed in. Force well, of Will's not common. Wasteland's <laughs> not common. You know, rarity, <laughs> rarity is not the same among all generations. Sure, sure. Print runs to take it, take into account. Exactly. Like an uncommon, like look at freaking Serum Vision. Serum Visions is a common and it's $12. Well, mm-hmm. you, yeah. Sure. I mean, you could look at Future Sight Time Away and compare it to Death Rate Shaman. Right. So, it, you know, with the Heritage Druid, I really think it was a speculator run because it just ran so quickly and there doesn't seem to be any reason for it. It's not like Elves just won any big tournaments. No, but it is, I mean, Elves, I don't actually know how competitive it is because I don't really play Modern, but I'll, I play mo- I play Elves in Modern. The deck's awesome. At the time I built it, it was 50 bucks. It's a gateway legacy deck. It is, yeah, that's a good way to put it too. Marfolk was the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of the, the base color for the different colors, like Merfolk for blue, Elves for green, Burn for Burn. red. Yeah. Yep. Uh, dredge for black. Well, Dredge is, I actually haven't, I actually haven't paid any attention to any modern. I don't even know if Golgari Thug has been getting any play in modern. Cause you mentioned Dredge, the only thing I could think of was 8-Rack, when, for black. Oh, 8-Rack. I mean, I think yeah, it depends between and the pox. modern. Between modern. Oh, pox is dirty. Yeah. <laughs> one of my, one of my best friends, Dan, uh, he has been on, uh, Loam Pox for the last six months and Pox in general for like the last six years. He is the most miserable playtest partner of all time. <laughs> but w- so what I'm actually a little bit curious about too, because I know Midge was mentioning it in Puka Trade earlier, and I know Pat just got Force of Will from Puka Trade. Yeah, mm-hmm. big milestone for you, Pat. Yeah, pretty psyched. It was it's it's beautiful too. It's a beautiful copy of it. So <laughs> yeah, so you were saying you would get uh, what's what's your blue red? You doing what? Blue red Delver? Yeah. Yep. Oh, and and here I am saying Ban Delver. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, guys, so, I'm really excited so to get into And brainstorm, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah. So, what, what's? I'm I'm kind of curious. Uh, what creatures you're playing? Uh, the Delver list. Hold on, let me pull it up. It's uh, Young Pyromancer. Boo. And uh, Boo. Not a fan of Young Pyromancer. Uh, yeah, Young Pyromancer. Hold on, I'm pulling it up. Yeah, Young Pyromancer, Monastery Swift Spear, and Delver. Okay, those are just the only creatures you play in. Yeah, it's it's very like it's very stock. It's like you know four bolt, four four lightning bolt, four fork bolt, four four probes, four yeah. under four brainstorm, four days, uh, four digs, and four force wills. Mm-hmm. And then the, the twelve creatures. Four fork bolts, really? Yeah. But not not chain lightning. No, just the fork bolts. Although I, I guess I can run chain lightning since I already own them. Yeah, I well, think, yeah, I think chain lightning's. I would probably do a split, like maybe two and two. Like, yeah. Fork, fork bolt is like you're expecting to run into elves all day. Yeah, I'd leave fork posts on the sideboard for elves, maybe. But yeah, cha- cha- yeah. Oh, it's also good for the mirror. Things. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, okay. I I think the problem with the blue red delver list is a lot of them are from the old treasure cruise days and didn't really get the full upgrade. Yep. So they're still playing for a treasure cruise meta where they're expecting to play the mirror the mirror half the time. Yeah. And fork bolt is great in the mirror, but Young Pyromancer isn't really seeing as much play these days. Yeah, I mean this this list is also from like a Legacy Daily on Magic Online, so it's that meta there is a little bit, you know, more. I think it's heavier on the aggro side. Yeah, and I've I've also noticed that because of weird price discrepancies, it causes some 
some lists to look a little wonky, like Days being a $30 card. A right. lot of people just play Spell Pierce instead of Days, yep. even is if it, Days is more correct. Is it 30 on Magic Online? Yeah, Days, they, for whatever reason, they never bring Nemesis back for, like, uh, flashback drafts. So Days, Dazes are impossible to come by online. Huh. Like, Days is more expensive than Underground Sea on Magic Online. Because <laughs> it was only in the, wasn't it, it was in a dual deck, wasn't it? Yeah, but no one ever buys dual decks online, because right. people don't really care about foils online, because mm-hmm. if you can barely get over the point of paying money for digital cards, <laughs> right. like paying a premium for digital a foil. foil man. That digital yeah, foil, no. that's just the like... The EV on that is horrible. <laughs> <laughs> nothing, says, nothing says I play without pants like having a digital Days. <laughs> yeah, like, like, everyone a while you run across the guy who's like has the the completely foiled deck on Magic Online, and I'm like, good for you, just good for you. <laughs> I actually turned off the foil animation because I found it to be annoying. So yeah, I actually <laughs> turned it off because it was making my computer run slow. <laughs> <laughs> so you know what? I was looking at Eli Cast's uh, Delver list from uh, from the Open in Worcester. Yeah, and he was running four Delvers, four Swift Spears, two Snaps, and two True Names. So I kind of thought that was a neat package too. Yeah, I, that is I nice. still my favorite is still uh, this guy Jay used to show up playing a blue red Delver deck that was like like no other. I mean it was it was um, <laughs> oh, four like, Magus four Magus of the Moon main deck, and then sideboard he'd side out the Magus of the Moon and side in Blood Moon. So he'd counterspell and burn you, but then he'd screw up your lands and he'd be attacking you with a Goblin Guide while you're just drawing basic mountains. I need yeah. two more Magus now. Oh my god, that deck was so good. I've been wanting to put that together, but I just haven't bit the bullet to get Goblin Guides or Magus of the Moon. Really, I was I was really hoping to see Magus of the Moon and Goblin Guide get reprinted in Modern Masters 2, and I got neither. Yeah. I'm surprised they didn't do Magnus, Magus of the Moon. I guess they didn't want too much land hate with the bounce lands, just screwing everyone's Well, that would have been perfect, though. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that would have been... Like, that, that, that's pack one, pick one right there. Oh, yeah, but for sure, for sure. But, uh, Midge, you were saying boo at Young Pyromancer. You're not a Young Pyromancer fan? No, not only. I, I don't like Delver. Yeah, I don't yeah. like I don't like Pyromancer <laughs> Delver uh, from... I, I don't, actually, you know what? I don't mind it in Legacy. I mm-hmm. absolutely hate it in Modern. Yeah, Delver? I heard it was pretty... Like, in the Treasure Cruise days, it was pretty oppressive in Modern. Even without Treasure Cruise, but... The, actually, you know what? This goes to an argument I've been having with myself for a while. I used to hate Force of Will. Used okay. to hate Force of Will. It was one of the reasons why I didn't get into Legacy. And then I got into Modern and I met Remand. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Okay. Force the of Will is a fair fees. card. Yes, the lesser of <laughs> I, I It's never... card disadvantage. On paper, Force of Will is not a good card. In like the grand scheme of like you are magic theory. Yourself, right? Yeah, oh, it's yeah. not a good card. You are giving yourself card disadvantage. It's just the card that you're countering better be pretty good. Yeah, they, they're, they're good, and you have a ton of card draw, too, right? Like, not, I mean, not, not only is it card disadvantage, but you're paying a life, too. That one life comes up. <laughs> <laughs> there have been times when I've been on one life, and I have to hard cast Force of Will. <laughs> I leave five mana up to hard cast Force of Will, because I'm on one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but he was, uh, Eli was running, um, he was running Forge Bolt in the main, too. He had two Forge Bolt in the main. Yeah, I think two fork bolt main is the right number. I just think four is a little much. Yeah. Because a lot of times it's just going to be a shock to the face. Right. Yeah, I mean, like I said, this list is is like as basic as it gets. 
but I figured it was a good a good jumping point to see where I wanted to take it from. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Well, I, I'm just I'm thinking if you have the chain lightnings, like that's actually the other card that I don't have for that blue red Delver deck with the yeah. fucking Magus of the Moon is the chain lightnings. Yep. Yeah. Um, or those I could I could run those. I would I would do a split of two and two two chain lightning two flock bolt. Yeah. I got a question. I got a question for you guys. Yeah. Since I'm relatively new to Legacy. What is the magical number for toughness on creatures? Uh, in, magical, in, nu- it, magical number being what to, to have the creature on the board in, on your side or to take out from the opponent's side? Take out it, from the opponent's side. Two. In Legacy, it's two. The cards that you care about either have two toughness or they have more toughness than it matters for a burn spell or a black, you know, minus minus spell. Mm-hmm. See, so I, would, I would use that as an argument for the Fork Bolts versus... Right. So you're right. It kind of goes back to the Searing Blaze, uh, Searing Blood argument, is that you don't ever need one more damage to kill a creature, but that one more damage to the face does matter. There are a lot of games with the blue-red deck, because you're a tempo deck, because you're a race deck, where it does come down to a few points of life. And the difference between a Fork Bolt and a Chain Lightning to the face is the difference between winning and losing. It's yeah. I mean, it's it's beneficial against elves. I mean, that's there's a valid point there. Um, right. For, Chain lightning is at its best when it's shaving a turn off the clock for your Delver race. Fork right. bolt is at its best when you're two for oneing your opponent and killing two of their like two ones, like two young pyromancers or two elves or um, you know any. And unflip Delver in a snapcaster maze. Yeah, exactly. So that's, <laughs> Fork Bolt is in the early mid-game where you're getting value off of it, too, for winning your opponent. Chain Lightning's at its best when you're shaving turns off the clock late game. Right. Now, now Pat, do you have any Fluster Storms? I don't have any Fluster Storms. Right. Um, Just wondering. That's a, that's a pretty good card. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got, I got Fluster Stormed in uh, my first round in uh, playing Legacy in Worcester. Feels like but, shit, doesn't it? Yeah, hey, it's, uh, <laughs> you can't uh, really counter the Flusterstorm. No, hey, no. Hey, hey, Pat, do you have any Tabernacles? Do have I any don't. Any? <laughs> Flusterstorm is that's not the same fucking price that's, as that's Tabernacle. A, that's a pretty good card. <laughs> no, my point is that Flusterstorm <laughs> is cheaper than Force of Will, and a lot of times is more effective. Ah, uh, it's not that far apart these days. What about Disrupting Shoal? <laughs> yeah, Disrupting Shoal I can see as a uh, kind of a... Uh, that, that is actually, I've thought of grabbing a at least a play set and bringing that into modern just to be that guy because yeah. <laughs> in modern your first, a lot of first term plays is island or whatever blue land they want and I'm going to cast ponder or is it preordained which one's not banned it's uh serum visions serum visions okay fine serum visions as soon as they go to look at the cards you can try calling a judge say hey I have a response to that yeah, <laughs> I can be that guy. Can be that guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, um, but yeah, I, disrupting troll. I, I can see it being kind of a budget force of will. Um, if you were more of a combo deck, I would say misdirection. But misdirection doesn't really work in the tempo decks because you're wanting to counter a lot of their creatures usually. Because you want to keep the board clear for your creatures. Mm-hmm. But disrupting soul is still going to cost two blue. Right. Two blue, and, two blue, and you pitch a card, right? No, it's just pitch a card. Yeah, huh. pitch a card that matches the mana cost of the card you're countering. Oh. Right. Oh. 
It's kind of like oh, a rather weird, than paying its mana cost. Okay. Yeah, it's like a weird hybrid between counterbalance force of will as far as the requirements go. Oh, huh. Okay, you just need to have like the, either the varied, either need to have a varied casting cost, a diverse well, casting. Yeah, cost if you're playing add. legacy, almost everything is below or, three. Right, right. right. And then I guess ooh, do, do the split cards work pretty really good with disrupting troll? Can you use either half of the split card for their mana cost? Cause I would you could, assume so. Because wear and tear could be a one or a two casting cost card. Mm, might have to ask CJ on that. Yeah, I wonder how that works. So now, Storm is still only it's it's sixty nine. Yeah. Okay, so that's not quite force of will price. Right, but when I'm looking for a budget card, I'm not really looking for a budget card that's also going to run me seventy dollars. <laughs> 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 like. Uh, I can't afford the Ferrari. Let me go for the budget Audi. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's one way to put it. Yeah, chances are if I can't afford a Force Will, I probably can't afford a Fluster Storm either. I don't know. That, well, you well, you can afford probably, two Fluster Storms. Right, that's my point. Well, no. either, either way, you're outrunning the moped. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to hey. get in my gremlin over here, all right? Hey, if Counterspell is the moped, I think you're doing okay. <laughs> Counterspell never hurt anyone. <laughs> uh, yeah, but for- Flusterstorm just gets used a turn earlier. Uh, and yes, Forcer will get used a turn earlier. <laughs> I remember there was a Merfolk deck that top aided SCG. It was budget Merfolk that was running like. Um, Mutavolts when it was standard legal, uh, instead of Wastelands, and it was running counter spells instead of Force of Wills. Hmm. It was, it was like a Merfolk deck that you could put together for like a hundred dollars flat, and he top aided. Hmm. So, there, there's definitely budget options out there. I like, uh, Travis Wu's opinion of making a budget deck. Don't replace a card with a worse version of it. Build your deck in such a way where that other card is a better option than the card you're trying to replace. Sure, yeah. So, but, I mean, you're, you, it sounds like you're doing pretty well with the Booker Trade. You, you already got one Force of Will down, and then you, you got some more, more on the way. Yeah, so, I have, uh, I'm waiting for some cards. I have like three or four hours of cards out on the road right now, so once those, once those get received, then, uh, my list goes back up for, for, you know, for availability, and anyone who wants to trade me them, I'm giving an extra 10%. Over uh, whatever the asking price is, so. Well, just, well you are ag- aggressively chasing those force of wills. <laughs> uh, very, very, very aggressively, very aggressive. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, the way it is is like I can't use the Puka points for anything else. You know what I mean? Like I can't. I can only use them for magic cards, and I'm, I'm just tr- I'm training away stuff right now. It's not costing me any equity, as for, you know, with the exception of stamps. So I figure I'll put it back into the cards. I'm fine with that. It's only going to get you know, it's only going to go up in value. So. Yeah, until they make a uh, puka trade for hookers and blow. You can't, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's, the next, that's the next upgrade. So <laughs> yeah, how how are you doing for lands? Did you get volcanics? Uh, I got I you know I got four of the uh, steam vents, and oh, okay. I'm, I'm gonna go uh, trolling for volcanics um, when you know when I have a couple hundred bucks in my pocket and I can go get some like MP lands. Um, I'll pick those four up. You know, probably one at a time and replace the, the vents. Yep. You know. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, Midge, we were talking earlier, you said you put together a couple modern decks and, uh, Charbelcher completely through Puka Trade, too? Uh, yeah, I put, yeah, Charbelcher through Puka Trade. Um, what else did I do? I did a Mardu Burn deck through Puka Trade as well. For modern. Oh, for modern, wow. For modern. Uh, do you feel, 
my problem with uh, Puka Trade was that everyone was kind of going in the same direction, as in everyone was trying to turn standard cards into modern cards, and I know everyone was trying to trade modern cards into legacy cards, and it, it kind of felt like a bottleneck at a point where everyone's trying to ditch the same cards and everyone's trying to get the same cards. Do you kind of feel that way is still going on with Puka Trade, or is it changed well, up a bit? It depends upon when you go. If you're going right after pre-release weekend, then yes, everywhere you're going to find these standard cards. Mm-hmm. People are going to be trying to offload them at their peak. It's just like any other MTG finance issue. Mm-hmm. Like sell high when they're at their peak, then they plummet. But by that time, you've already got your points and you can put them wherever you want. Yep. Mm-hmm. Really. Like so I you- traded, I actually traded a bunch of Legacy, like I had, I think, three zombie masters and someone over in Europe wanted them for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And that turned into, like, I think I got a Charbelcher and some more cards out of the points that were out of, off of that. Huh. So, you, you, oh, go ahead, Pat. Come on, Pat. Come on. You, okay, you sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> so, I was going to ask you, like, you know, in, in the U.S., like, when I list a card, it gets snapped up within minutes, with the exception of the forces. That took maybe a day, right? So, but anything I list on there is snapped up within minutes at most. Like, do you find that that's the same way in Canada? Um, you know, in Canada, I've had to be more of the sniper than I have my cards disappearing. Mm-hmm. So you're so, constantly like constantly checking the page to send stuff out, and when I'm looking for something, yeah, yeah, I got I've got a few things that I could throw out right now, but I've seen a number of times where a card came up and it was like, oh god, I can send this out for like twelve hundred points, mm-hmm. and I go to click it, and next thing I know, poof, it's gone. Yep, yep, that so, happens a lot. Like with US, like if I see, that, I don't, yeah, whatever, that's in the US. Yeah, whatever comes up, it's just there's so much. I think the velocity of the U.S. is probably the best around the world, but I've sent cards to Europe. I've sent them to South America. Uh, Did you everywhere. send them to Argentina? I've seen, uh, that is the worst. <laughs> it is the worst. Argentina it is why, the worst. Why is that? Why is that? Whatever. It just, okay. Yeah, it do you, takes... Do you have a horror story? <laughs> I Well, I had one card that took, oh, maybe six weeks to get there. Um, three months. Yeah, that's that's really bad. Five <laughs> to get three months. To get to but, Argentina? To get yeah. to Argentina, but... To be fair, at about the, I think it was six or seven weeks, like we both believed, like I thought he was telling the truth of he didn't get the card. He believed I sent the card because I take pictures of everything I send, yep. and I send the picture to them. Oh, so, you're nice. That's awesome. Yeah. That's a really good idea. So it well, doesn't cost me anything other than 30 seconds of time. Yep. And a Dropbox account. So... No, so I, we, neither one of us was feeling like we gypped, just like, okay, it's the system, screwed us. So, Puga Trade was kind enough to, like, we brought up a case, and they're like, okay, well, we don't think anybody here was at fault, so, uh, he can keep his points, we'll give you your points for what the card was worth, and we'll just let it go from there. And then, like, four more weeks went by, and he messages me. He's like, yeah, I guess what just showed up at my door. <laughs> wow. So Very that is actually one of the better parts about Puka Trade in that even yeah. if there is an issue, you can you can still get your points for what you sent. Yep, and okay. 
the one of like uh, that was one of the biggest turning points for me going into Puka trade because right before that, I got burned on a guy that I had actually traded a Savannah to. Oh wow! And he, I, I traded it, sent it with tracking, and he didn't send the cards that we, he was supposed to send to me. So uh, I think that was like um, I was getting a play set of windswept the new windswept heaths off of him. Mm-hmm. And uh, a few more, including a couple deflecting palms. And for whatever reason, the cards never showed up. Mm-hmm. And this went on for like two weeks before I got in touch with a guy on Twitter who's an expert at calling these guys out. And it wasn't until his name was put on a watch list on a Facebook group, uh, he actually came at me and was like, what the hell are you doing? Why the hell is my name? I was like, where are my cards? Right. Mm-hmm. And then he had some story about, oh, well, his girlfriend was supposed to send them out. Like, yeah, whatever. And my dog ate them. Um, <laughs> so was this this wasn't through Puka Trade, though. This no, was... This, this was just through the interwebs. Okay, just kind of like meeting people in uh, like yep. Facebook groups or the source uh, chat. Room. A buddy of mine knew that a guy was looking for Savannah, so he put me in touch. And Yeah, no, that was... The last straw, and then it's like, oh, well, what's this Puka Trade thing? Yeah. I, admittedly, I was nervous at first, but honestly, I've, like I said, I put together a Belcher deck, I put together a Modern Burn deck, and I got more than enough fuel to be able to put together Manalus Dredge. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Just uh, terrorizing the legacy paper scene. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a great site. I, yeah, I, I've only had issues going to Argentina, and I think Chile takes a long time, too. Um, but I've done the same thing, sending cards out like via Facebook or whatever. And um, just I haven't had a horror story like that, but just being nervous that you know the card gets there. You know, it, is he going to send me the money? Like you know, we did PayPal or whatever. But what's going to happen if he you know, the card gets there and he says it didn't arrive? You know what I mean? If he wants to scumbag me out of thirty bucks or whatever, you know what I mean? It's so I like Puka Trade because they guarantee their their trades. You know? Yeah, I've heard so many horror stories. There's even a lot of like stores I won't even mail cards to for their buy list because of all the horror stories I've heard about them not paying you, them getting the cards, and then saying, "Oh, none of these are are good condition. We're going to give you heavy play on all these cards." And right. The people being like, "I send you pretty minty fresh cards. There's no reason those should be listed as heavy play." Mm-hmm. So there's only a couple of stores I'll even send cards at buy list price. Um, I keep wanting to get into Puka Trade. I just find it's really, really hard to send cards out. Like you said, the velocity is really quick and cards get snapped up, and it's just it's kind of difficult to get in, kind of get in the groove. What are you trying to? What do you want to send out? Is it going to be because standard has the highest velocity, but there's still a demand on there for Legacy and Modern. Like I, I had a oh, green. Not light. to mention Commander. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Totally. Totally. I had a green white modern deck that I put together, never played, like just just had it to to play, you know, whenever. I never got to play it and um I wanted to build a blue red delver and so I started I didn't realize how much value was just sitting in that deck box. I just started putting it on there and everything was listed. There was tons and tons of wants for the stuff I had in that deck. Um you know, everything from like Kasali Pride Mage and like Thalia and and uh and some other stuff like that and um I sent them out, man, and it was it was easy. So I, I feel like it was much easier to send those out than it was some of the modern staples, uh, some of the standard staples that I had. Yeah, yeah. 
I first got started doing it to get rid of all these commander cards that I was never going to play with, but <laughs> since then I've started playing commander, so... <laughs> now you're trading back for them? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the other eternal format. <laughs> yeah, the other I, eternal format, but... I don't know uh, how you play that. I can't do it. Uh, it's it's coming close to ending friendships. We we had a council, <laughs> we had a council meeting the other day to determine the ban list for the group. <laughs> we need the will of the council. <laughs> uh, just because my buddy Dan that I mentioned before just keeps making these stupid frickin' decks. Like we're trying to have fun. We're trying to have fun, and he puts together Tassiger Mindslaver. You know what Tassiger Mindslaver does? It takes all the turns forever. <laughs> you activate Mindslaver, so you take control of their next turn. And then you activate Tassigar on their turn. To you you, you make all decisions, so for the Tassigar ability, you oh. have to choose Mindslaver <laughs> to return Mindslaver. <laughs> Can't three people just co- collude on a surgical extraction? Somewhere? Yeah, that's yeah. but then the, the problem with that theory, Adrian, is that's getting three people to agree on something in Commander. And, and you know what? <laughs> all three decks should play Null Rod. <laughs> uh, it's getting down to that. It's getting down to that. Uh, so, anyways, that's that's something else. But uh, I think I'm, I am going to so get. In- <laughs> it's becoming leaving a commander. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I'm going to get into Puka Trade when they finally institute uh, the play conditions, because a lot of the legacy and mm-hmm. eternal cards I find is it's it's hard to have near mint copies of those cards. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, there's a, there is an easy way around that, and I've done it with a couple of the guys that I've traded with. And that's just sending, just, no, just sending a guy a message and saying, hey, this is the quality I have, are you cool with it? And yeah. a vast majority of them, I think one guy said, no, I'm only looking for near mint. Yeah. Vast majority of them are like, okay, you slightly play it, send a pick, send a pick. Oh yeah, that's fine, sure, I'll give you the full price for it. Yep. Yeah, I can yeah. vouch for that too. I the same thing happened. I've only had one guy turn away a card for like a foil Mogus because he's a collector. But you know that. Other than that, I've had no issues <laughs> sending. You just got to tell them ahead of time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, as long as make, you make contact and say, "Hey, yep. this is what I've got." I mean, right. are, we're magic players. Most of us are reasonable people, unless yep. you win windmill slam of foil goif. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Alright, I, I have a day off tomorrow. Maybe I'll uh, I'll dive into the Puka Trade world and see if I can... <laughs> it's also a great way to organize your collection. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the other thing that kind of holds me back, too, is just sitting down and going through the cards one by one and typing them up. And don't just do money cards. Like, one of my, my biggest things is don't just do money cards. Like, I have boxes of uncommons and commons from older sets, and, and newer sets, for that matter. And um, I either list them all, or I ha- they're all organized by... By set, by color, and by you know by name, so they're all alphabetical. And mm-hmm. uh, I'll, I'll you know I'll find a money card that someone wants. So say it's say it's you know say it's in the U.S. I find a card that's like a buck or a buck fifty. I'll will send that because it cost me forty one cents for the stamp, the uh, the you know sending the envelope and the uh, the hard plastic sleeve or negligible it's whatever. So I'll send that, and then I will also scour the rest of their list for any other you know people have a bunch of. 10, 25 cent, you know, commons and uncommons on there, and I'll end up sending them, like, you know, five, six, seven, eight cards that, like, are doing me nothing, that get me an extra, you know, like, not a, not an unreasonable percentage on the, on that card. You know what I mean? And you're just sending right. it all, all is, all is one. And, uh, that's one of the best ways to just, like, thin out your collection, and, uh, get rid of cards that you don't plan on ever using. And it, it also keeps the cost, it basically, you know, pays for your stamps or pays for, you know, whatever you're shipping, you know, all your packaging, all that stuff. Right, right. 
All right, you got me interested in Puka Tree now. I'm going to take a look at that shit. What's the best part? Just for uh, just for signing up, this is going to sound totally like an advertisement. <laughs> I think most of this podcast has been. Um, <laughs> no, just for signing up, filling out your profile and everything, they will give you 500 points to start. Yep. And that's the equivalent of five bucks. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So that's enough to like cover the cost of stamps for a little bit anyway. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Or get or get a card shipped to you. Like you can just you can sign up. Sign up for, I don't know, whatever card is $5 now. Maybe it's a Tasker, maybe. And uh, someone will ship you a Tasker, and you never have to use the site again if you don't want to. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just, it's well, just there. You can, but then you'd be that guy playing. Yeah, exactly. Well, 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 I'm obviously do. not, I'm not, I'm not, a, you know, I'm not backing that strategy. I've, you know, I've sent out probably like six, 650 cards on that site. So, but it's just a good way to get people in there and trying out the site, you know. No, that's 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 cool. Yeah, that's that's cool. I mean, I'm not. I wouldn't. It wouldn't motiv- motivate me to jump up and create a profile for a five dollar card. Oh, no, but, but it's just. It's like I said. It's cool. It's no, it's a. It's a. It's cool that it's not a zero balance to begin yep. with. Yeah, absolutely. They make you do like. They make you do stuff like verify your account and yeah, do a picture and stuff. But it's, sure. Well, the other thing that's kind of cool is I can trade something to somebody. But if for some reason I wanted to throw them an extra five hundred Puka points, I could. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that's not a that's not a bad use of it either. Um, no, I have to check that out sometime. It's worth it if you're you know especially like you say you get fetches and stuff like yeah any, you're not going to lose any value that way like you know if you sell, go to SEG and you sell to a dealer they're going to take off all the value they need to make on their end as far as margin you know you're going to well, lose all that and then you're also paying for a car that they're making margin on you know. That there is usually a little bit above what the bottom of the market is, oh, and, yeah. I found, well, like, and your margin in this is nothing more than a stamp. Yep. Well, the other, yeah, the the other thing is, uh, you know, if I go trade with people or if I go to some event, it takes my time. Yeah. And uh, I kind of value my time. Yeah. I <laughs> again the same the same way I play mid go is the same way I trade online. I had no pants. You know what I mean? So. <laughs> Uh, no pants is the best way. <laughs> yeah. I, I need to now make a Mitko account. My, I'm not wearing pants. Yeah. <laughs> Although it's 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 a little cold in, in in Massachusetts right now, so I am wearing pants. But yeah, what the frick? It feels like December. I'm bundled under blankets right now. It's such yeah, like, bu- it's such bullshit. It's like, I, I, it's like 50 degrees right now, and we're we're complaining like it's the dead of winter. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, I, it's like it's June. I mean, what the. What the fuck, you know? We, we had a we had a warm snap, and I put all my pants away for the summer. I'm like, all right, great. Now my laundry's just shorts. So I went to work in shorts today because one of the guys looks at me. He's like, isn't it a little cold? I'm like, yeah, I don't fucking know. Yeah. <laughs> it's because Game of Thrones is on. Winter is coming. Yeah. <laughs> it's here. It's going to be freezing. <laughs> all right. And so, Jerry, you have tomorrow off? I do have tomorrow off. I'm I'm having a nice little staycation. Well, unfortunately, I do not have tomorrow off. I, I have to be up in the morning like a grown adult. So <laughs> I'm we a should, grown we ass should, man. <laughs> yeah, so I'm a grown ass man, so we should probably get towards top eights. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> uh, let, let's start with Midge. You got anybody you want to scoop in a top eight? Well, I'm going to be corny and say I'm going to scoop in you guys Aww. because the number of times I've been scooped in. <laughs> well, no, you've been helpful, man. Yeah. You've been helpful. Uh, I also want to scoop. 
Yeah, celebrity status. <laughs> I, uh, I also want to scoop in um, Ben Perry, so Doctor Superstition, and Tyler the Fro. Yeah, that was fucking awesome. Two of my biggest resources for outside of your podcast to being able to figure out what cards are good, what's not good, and where I should put my investments. Oh my god! Wait a minute. <laughs> I'm a financial advisor. I'm an international businessman. <laughs> I'm a very important person, and I demand to be released. <laughs> don't 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 tell me people listen to me on where to put their investments. <laughs> Uzbekistan gold. Put it all in Uzbekistan gold. Adrian, we're right, gonna need yeah. a disclaimer at the end of this podcast so like people put it in Uzbekistan gold. I don't want to lose my. I don't want to lose my licenses over this podcast. <laughs> uh, don't worry, nobody's listening. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I wonder if the SEC listens to this podcast. <laughs> well, there's probably one guy there that listens to Plays Magic. Yeah, one guy at the SEC is like, hmm, you're going to have to strip this Jerry of his licenses. He's telling everyone to put their money in Uzbekistan gold. <laughs> All right, Jerry, you brought in the question, what the fuck is Uzbekistan gold? Is it some special type of fucking Sound like or something? Yeah. No, I mean, Uzbekistan gold, it's gold, but it's from Uzbekistan. And I don't know if you know the Uzbekistan economy, political structure, just the whole goddamn region. Is not the most stable. purity or something? <laughs> not the most stable place. So it's not a difference in the purity in the bar? No, no. Uzbekistan gold is just like a way of saying like an extremely risky investment. <laughs> okay. Dude, I, I saw some shit. I was watching, I don't know, something on Netflix the other day. They had silver mines that they were mining out of the um, Argent like the mountains in fucking Argentina that were like twelve foot veins of silver. Yeah, dude, silver is dirt cheap. You can get an ounce of silver for sixteen dollars these days. But no, but eighty percent of the world's silver came from that mountain range. Yeah, it was huge, and they took like there was an engineer from Spain that. Uh, had to create some chemical reaction in order to get the rest of it out. It was just, it was awesome to watch. But anyway, yeah, a little bit more stable than Uzbekistan gold, I guess. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Argentinian silver, there you go. Argentinian right. silver, that's the new investment, playboys. That's the new investment. Uh, any, anybody else you want to scoop in the top eight, Uh, My fiancé for, there you, go. you know, sorting up my cards and... Yeah, you better wife that girl. <laughs> you know, sorting yeah. out your cards. You February twenty ninth next year. Oh, there you go! Congratulations. Thank awesome. You. That's slick. That's slick. Only after remember her fucking anniversary once every four years. Yeah, that's. She, she wanted her very. She wanted her special day. She wanted a very special day. February twenty ninth is a very special day. And yeah, because like, I only I have to believe- get a gift every four years. And- <laughs> I can't believe we've been together five years. It feels like forever. <laughs> Man, we're only celebrating our fourth anniversary. How long yeah. has it been? What is, what is it? It's like the paper anniversary, the silver anniversary. It's like you never have to get up to the gold anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Pat? Anybody you want to scoop in the top eight? Uh, you know, I'm going to scoop in uh, Patrick Chapin. I bought his uh, – I took some of the cards I had um, in my binder, some standard cards, at the SCG Open, and I bought uh, his book, Next Level Magic, and I'm a little bit Matt, into it. Since it's, it's, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. But no, I, no. Just, I, 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 I'm going to let you finish, but that is an awesome <laughs> book. <laughs> this is just yeah. in the Leaving a Legacy infomercial. <laughs> right. We're trying to collect ad money over here, guys. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Um, yeah, it's it's really good. I've heard a lot of good things about it. Um, it's updated with new cards, so just want to scoop him in for putting out a pretty cool product. Um, I think it's cool that he's getting that information out there, and you know, it's not a cheap book, but it's it, it's also built like a textbook. I mean, it's it's dense, so it's it's great to have. You mean like a midget? Yeah. <laughs> Can you resell it at the end of the semester? <laughs> I, I might try. I might try. I did use it. I used to do that in college. I'd buy my books off Amazon and then sell them back to the bookstore at the end of the semester. And there was more than one time I made money on it. So. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Hey, oh, you know, we we play games, man. We all try to game the system some way. So. Oh yeah. I always kept. I kept my textbooks. I have. I, I kept my history textbooks, but I wasn't keeping like. I wasn't keeping anything else. You know? Yeah, I kept my like good textbooks like my philosophy classes and sure. my European history but sold the shit out of my statistics textbook textbooks. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> my macroeconomics yeah. Yeah. A bunch of history of jazz guitar book is it still like a bunch <laughs> Oh yeah, it's, it's right above my pillow for the girls to see. <laughs> <laughs> I actually lay it out like a chocolate mint. <laughs> um, and uh, you know I meant to I meant last week um, I wanted to scoop in my wife for, you know, watching both kids, a three-year-old and a six-month-old, and I went up to SCG Worcester for the whole day, had breakfast, like hung out, and, uh, you know, came home, and she was a little bit rattled with a glass of wine, but <laughs> other than that, I didn't, I didn't hear anything bad about it. She was a doll, so I want to scoop her in as well. Even though she won't play magic, she refuses, but that's okay. <laughs> Sometimes you might be better off. Like I, yeah. I, I tried getting Lita to play, and yeah. uh, she adamantly refuses now. <laughs> well, <laughs> it, it, took her, it took her by surprise because she met me when I was in college. And um, you got to understand, like, you know, I played football in college. Like, I hung out with all my jock friends. Like, you know, I'm not – that's not – you know, I'm not the typical beer-swigging guy. But, you know, that's those are my buddies. That's kind of how I am. And – and then she found out, you know, like five years into our marriage that I actually secretly played magic back in the day. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to pick this up again. And uh, it was a little bit of a, I think she's a little bit surprised, but, you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, Leah, me, me and Lita, we've been together for 11 years, and I started playing probably two years ago. She didn't realize I played fucking, what, oh, my God, 20, was it 27 years ago? No. How fucking no. old am I? I don't know. Some long fucking time ago, anyway. <laughs> Magic is not that old, Adrian. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, good. Then maybe it was 17 years ago. Yeah, I think 17 years is more accurate. Yeah. yeah. Be- yeah. Before me and her met, anyway. <laughs> and then, like, I started playing. It was funny, too, because I started... This is this is so ridiculously corny, right? But I, I started playing again, and I'm like, flashing back to when I was a kid, and I'm just playing, and then I'm going to sleep at night, and I'm like, no, 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 I cast a Senge. Did you tap three for that? And I'm like, this do it. She's like, what the hell are you talking about? I'm waking up in the morning. She has put up with some ridiculous shit out of yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess we should all probably be shouting out women. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, my last ex-girlfriend, we dated for six months, and she never knew I played Magic. <laughs> oh, I was so like, magic was your mistress. It, magic was my mistress. I literally think she thought that at some points. But like, I was like going to tournaments in Philly and like going to the weekend. I'm like, yeah, just going for a bro weekend. She's like, where? <laughs> just like, oh, you know, Amish country, Pennsylvania. That's where all bro weekends happen, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was just one of those things. Like, she was a super sporty girl. Like, she was like way into sports. 
So I'm just like, yeah, this this probably isn't going to work out. We're we're going to keep this part of my life secret. <laughs> I, I, I will say that when I was planning on going down to GP New Jersey, I told I'm like I looked at my boss. I'm like, yeah, I got to leave. Uh, Thursday. I'm not going to be in Friday. <laughs> oh, where are you going? I'm, I'm going to New Jersey. He goes, oh, for what? And I'm, I wish I could say it was as cool as watching moped races, but it's like it's not that cool. Oh man, I. But I, I gotta be there for ten in the morning. <laughs> I've been pulled over by the police, and my answer of "Where are you going in such a hurry?" is the tournament's about to start. <laughs> How'd that go for? <laughs> Pretty well, pretty well. Let me go. <laughs> Let me give you an escort. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! All right, Jerry, who do you, who do you want to scoop at the top eight? Uh, well, I mean, definitely got to scoop in uh, Heavy Meta Midget. Thanks for coming on. Oh, thanks um, for having me. Yeah, definitely. And thanks for putting together this sweet tournament. I, I'm going to go register for that right now. Can't wait to do that tomorrow. Uh, you know, scooping Pat in again. Thanks for thanks for joining us. Uh, looks like yeah. it's going to be a, a pretty pretty permanent addition. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, definitely. And then also, th- thanks for you, Adrian, for uh, for sticking with it. <laughs> Just keep, Aww, keep all, all the feels. Yeah, I know, I know. It's Jerry scooping everybody he's on a call with. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Vicinity scooping. <laughs> Apparently, he's scooping in everybody he's on the call with, and he's ending all of his relationships with the guys he's playing commander with. Yes. <laughs> I know where my priorities are. Jeez, <laughs> uh, nobody else in the outside world, Jerry? No, no, there is no outside world. <laughs> there is no There's only right here. <laughs> Uzbekistan, right? Uzbekistan. Yeah, oh, yeah, scooping Uzbekistan gold. <laughs> <laughs> While you are not a sound investment for my portfolio, you are a sound investment for my heart. <laughs> uh, what about you, Adrian? Who you got this week? Uh, I'm gonna scoop in Lita. That's I'm gonna start with that anyway. She's she's a sweetie. I, I really don't know how she fucking puts up with me. Um, and where what else? So yeah, uh, I'll be the next one here to scoop in the woman in life. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna scoop it in fucking yeah heavy meta midget. Thanks for thanks for fucking giving me the tips along the way too. And uh, fucking mtgprice.com, <laughs> that shit's fucking dope. <laughs> uh, and jeez, I don't even know. It's, it's it's weird, you know. I had one of these fucking. I had like a a day where I left work going, why did I even wake up today? It was just like a bad freaking day. And then like get on a call with you guys and I'm fucking laughing and shit's okay. So scooping in fucking you two, Jerry and Pat. Nice. So I just scooped in everybody yeah, on the call. Yeah. So what the hell do I get <laughs> yeah, to say about it? Yeah, let's the kettle black. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I see how it is. <laughs> um, I also, I know I mentioned him earlier, I should scoop in... Paramel Soderstrom from uh, Sweden. Scoop him in, too. Um, and actually, you know, what else is, again, Chris Cheehy. I fucking went back and finally updated the card list for uh, the digital program that I haven't played in a while that I think I'm going to pick up again and do a little bit of some deck building and shit. But, yeah, so Chris also. And uh, And Kyle, I haven't seen him in a little bit. So yeah, that's that's uh that's probably that's probably good for now. Yeah. 
Bob, good, good and, cast. And fucking Miz was right. Deep Cover was an awesome fucking movie. And Jerry, if you haven't seen it, go watch it. I, I haven't seen it either. So. <laughs> oh man, Wait, if you, I want to see regulators. Regulators is a, is a is a dope song. So. Yeah. No, Don't no, forget no. Maximum Overdrive. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I want to see this movie with the Comet and the Machines. Cause I've I'm seen writing that it down right now, Maximum <laughs> Overdrive. It better be on Netflix, because that's my plan right now. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Pat, we can watch Netflix and Skype together and have conversations about the movie, and it would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> that's fucking awesome. <laughs> I have tomorrow off, too, man, so we might be able to work that out. Ah, there we go. <laughs> wow. All right, gentlemen. Well... I think with with that, it's uh, yeah, it's probably time to close out episode thirty fucking four, thirty four, thirty four. Look at that! It's almost as old as Midge, <laughs> <laughs> and not quite as old as me. <laughs> Don't worry, you'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you when you're older. <laughs> you know, I, it, I'm actually so I'm at this point of life, right? I I was at work. I don't even know if I, I don't even know if I told you guys this anyway. But I was at work um, last week, and I looked at one of the guys. And I'm like, how long have you been here? Now some of the guys are like 40 years, and they've been there 40 years. And I'm like, wow, I wasn't even fucking born yet. This one guy said something to me because he's running this machine. He asked me a question. I'm like, how long have you been here? He's like, 17 years. And I'm like, oh, I was 21. I'm like, wow. I'm fucking old. <laughs> Suddenly, when I looked at it that way, I'm like, all right, I gotta stop asking people that question. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right, gentlemen. Well. Well. What? Uh, 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 we, didn't, we didn't have the we didn't have the digital talking stick. You can only talk when you hold the digital talking stick. <laughs> I love the conch. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up, Piggy. <laughs> all right, that's it. Calling it. All right. Well, you guys all have a good night. You and uh, every, anybody listening, even though there are no listeners, I uh, hope you all have a good Monday. And hopefully I get this shit out for Monday. <laughs> Be clear, we do know there are listeners out there. If you are the only person listening and you're thinking about not listening again because you think no one else listens, <laughs> there are others out there, we swear. Prove us wrong. Yeah. Oh, shit. Oh, all right, then. Cool. All right. And see. <laughs> It was a clear black night, a clear white moon, Warmer G was on the streets, trying to consume some search for the E, so I could get some phones, rolling in my ride, chilling all alone. Just hit the east side of the LBC, on a mission trying to find Mr. Warren G. Seen a car full of girls, ain't no need to tweak, all you search know what's up with 213. So I hooked select on 21 and Lewis, some brothers shooting dice, so I said let's do this. I jumped out the rock and said what's up, some brothers pulled some heat, so I said I'm Stuff. These girls peeping me, I'm all glad and swerve. These looking so hard, they straight hit the curve. Want to bigger, better things than some horny tricks. I see my homie and some suckers all in his mix. I'm getting jacked, I'm breaking myself. I can't believe they taking more than 12. They took my rings, they took my Rolex. I looked at the brother, said, damn, what's next? They got my homie hemmed up and they all around. Can't let them up, see him if they going straight down for pound. They want to come up real quick before they start to clown. I best pull out my and lay them busters down. They got guns to my head, I think I'm going down. I can't believe it's happening in my own town. If I had wings, I 
would fly, let me contemplate. I glance in the cut and I see my homie Nate. Sixteen in the and one in the hole. Nate Dog is about to make some bodies turn. Now they dropping and yelling, it's a tad bit late. Nate Dog and Warren G had to regulate. Switching my mind back into pre-cold. If you won't skirt, sit back and observe. I just left a gator over there on the curb. Now they got the freaks, and that's a known fact. Before I got jacked, I was on the same track. Back up, back up, cause it's on N-A-T-E-N-E, the woman to the G. Just like I thought, they were in the same spot, in need of some desperate head. The Nate Dog and the G Child were in need of something Sexy as hell, I said, ooh, I like your size. She said my chords broke down and just sing real nice. Would you let me ride? I got a car full of girls and it's going real swell. The next stop is the east side Three will regulate. 